The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. New at VoicesOfWrestling.com this week, Case Lowe says goodbye to Mad Blanky, Warren Taylor looks at the passion of Puro fans, plus thoughts on Bailey, Enzo, and Big Cass, and Rich Krejci deconstructs the notion that Triple H was punished after the curtain call. We got your reviews of NXT, Total Divas, Ring of Honor, Raw, SmackDown, and more up on the website. And as a reminder, if you're doing any Amazon shopping, please consider using our Amazon affiliate link. There's no extra cost to you, and VoicesOfWrestling.com is supported by a portion of the purchase. Go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Amazon, and you can also shop at WWE Shop. WWE Shop can be found at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash WWE Shop. Use discount code WWEVOICES5 at checkout. That's WWE Voices and the number 5 for 5% off orders of 35 or more. VoicesOfWrestling.com will be your one-stop shop for Road to Destruction coverage. Be sure to check VoicesOfWrestling.com for coverage of the entire tour, all at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match and I'm standing and pacing in my bed. Mikazi now, he's not okay, so, so Mik- he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a, a boy, he's a man. He's a man He got PWS Superstar Brian Buck. <laughs> and he was gone in two <laughs> So it's uh, in go Bernalis. In or Nobles. In go Nobles. You're missing a B there, but that's There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Oh, you're having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! Many, 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 Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a I like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, him. in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. 
I am internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist Joe Lanza, and I am here with. Wow. I gotta fix the levels. That was so well, listen, loud. Listen, you, you, you ask you ask me to do the intro, <laughs> and then you cut me off in the middle of it. Well, everyone's everyone's fucking earbuds are exploding. Okay, go ahead, go Ex- ahead. Sorry. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> go ahead. Let me clear my throat. <clears throat> I am internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist Joe Lanza here with brand new Hall of Fame voter Rich Krejci. You know, I- I'm gonna put you over, and then you cut me off. It's unbelievable. Oh, well, no, well, that's that's what. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. You know, you, you've worked very hard for it's this. Such a rarity. It's such a rarity that you put me over, though. So I just assume it doesn't matter. So. You worked very hard for this, and you complained about it for two years, and and that's really what did it. It's just the massive complaining and the bothering of Dave <laughs> on the on the email, where he finally said, "You know what? Here, just shut up, just stop." And then I have this nice intro planned. Mm-hmm. To put you over, and before I even get halfway through. <laughs> You cut me off and you bury me. It's ridiculous. Unbelievable. So now that you're a Hall of Fame voter, Mr. Krejci, mm-hmm. um, after lots of hard work. Two long, years, arduous years. Yeah. All of your pals putting in the good word for you, including yours truly. Thank and, you. Uh, and, and getting you in. Um, do, do you finally – does it – see, here's the thing though. Everyone was saying, Rich, why don't you just ask Dave for a ballot? But I can see why you didn't do that. Because no, that's, that's, like, that's it's like inviting yourself to a party. It's 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 exactly it's right. Yeah, you know what I mean. You want to earn no, it. No, I, I want him to say this man deserves this, and here you go. It's like have you ever been around and, sitting around the office, right? And someone's like, "Hey, you know, Ralph is having a party, right?" <laughs> and 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 you're like, "Oh, I I didn't get invited to Ralph's party," and they're like, "Oh man, go ask him. I'm sure he'll let you come." You never go ask Ralph. So, oh, God, no, no. It's, I go as far away from Ralph as humanly possible. It's embarrassing. I, I avoid talking to Ralph because then I feel like someone's going to say, hey, did you invite Joe or did you invite Rich or whatever? So I just avoid Ralph the rest of the day. Yeah, because the last Because then I don't want the pity vote. Oh, hey, Rich, uh, having a party on Saturday. Do you want to come? Because I know that somebody already asked. Like, he, I wasn't in the first pool to be asked. So, no, I'm not going to want, like, the second ask, you know? Everybody knows at that point that Ralph doesn't want you at his party. And it's just it's just a pity thing. So I, and he's saying that, but he really doesn't want you to come. Exactly. He's hoping that you're going to say, no, 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 no. Ralph doesn't that want you in his house. Yeah. Right. He thinks you're going to steal his silverware. There's something going on there. <laughs> Ralph does not want you in his house. So I can see why you, you didn't go asking because now it feels like you've earned it. Exactly. And, that, and, that, and that's much better. But I, but I will say um, when I first got the ballot, which was a complete shock two years ago. I had no clue. I, I, it just comes out of nowhere. He just he sends you a random email. It's usually a reply to a weird email that you sent. I did not get a reply. I get I got a, a normal email that was sent to me. The only problem was I don't know. Did you get this where uh, the entire uh, body of the email was in the subject? Did you get that? As well? <laughs> no, I did not get oh. that. But that's that's, my, that's unique. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I was like, what the hell is this? I thought it was spam at first. Like I don't know how my spam pillars didn't find this as spam. It was so. It was like a. a 2000 character like subject line and i was like there's no i was like what the hell is this and i'm like oh okay like yeah it has the entire like everything that he types out and copies and pastes or whatever is in the subject line for me so well that is that's a very dave thing to do yes exactly from his juno account um, that i believe his dad owns <laughs> i'm sure he didn't uh it's her Meltzer's juno right absolutely yeah hs Meltzer at juno.com <laughs> right, yeah. right. what does the hs stand for does anybody i think his, his his dad's name is herb i think because if you go to a YouTube channel, there's a YouTube channel of. Have you ever seen that where Dave goes around his house? Yes. And like sifts through his. That is, I believe, uploaded by a man named Herb Meltzer, who I assume is like. Let me let me see if that's true. 
So wait a minute, you tell me the infamous Dave Meltzer Juno email account is actually not even his, it's like his dad's email account? I think that might be true. Herb Meltzer is a real person? <laughs> Let me see if this is it. Uh, Dave Meltzer YouTube, let's see what we got here live, this is fascinating radio. I, 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 this, I never but heard it, that before. Soft. Yeah, alright. Uh, Dave Meltzer's Ice Bucket Challenge, that's not what we're looking for here, come on. Ah, uh, where the hell is the freaking... What the hell is that thing called? While you're 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 looking for it, by the way, that Dave Meltzer ice bucket challenge, there's such a Dave (laughs) moment at the end of that where he he pours the water on his head and he just goes, yep, yep, that was cold. <laughs> such right. a, yep. that that is such a Dave way to react to having. I, I you know it's it, it's cold. It it's you know yeah, and then cold. it just cuts off at the, at the yeah, exact right. most at uh, the perfect awkward moment. It, it's just a beautiful thing that that ice bucket challenge video. Um, yeah, I can't find. Yeah, that. well, anyway, if anyone knows what the HS stands for, maybe it's something obvious. Maybe it is this Herb Meltzer that you're referring. I have no idea. I've always wondered what the HS. And the HS Meltzer at Juno.com uh, stood for. I have no idea. But now that you have a ballot sent to you in the subject line of an email, <laughs> what the first thing that went through my head when I when I when I took a look at the ballot a couple years ago, um, you know, when you're not a voter, and it may be different for you since we've been talking about it for two years and everything. Not to interrupt you, but uh, yes, the 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 video of like Dave on his like CTR CRT monitor with like papers everywhere and lucha masks, you know that one? Yes. Uploaded by a man named Herbert Meltzer. Does he have a brother? I never hear him talking about a brother. I don't know. Herbert Meltzer looks pretty old. And the only two, and he looks like Dave. Oh, you have he a looks like oh, there's older. a photo of Herbert Meltzer. Yes. Would you like to? I'll, I'll just link you. Right. Well, I'll link you on the Skype. This is interactive, an interactive podcast. Sure it is. Everybody listening we're, has no idea. What we're, we're, we're great with the technology around here. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Let's see. Boom. Okay. And people can find it too. Uh, just look up Herbert Meltzer on YouTube, I think. He didn't name his channel. It's just a mess. But the only two videos he ever uploaded were the two videos of Dave walking around his house. That is an older gentleman. It doesn't it look like an old Dave? It could be Dave's dad. This could be the case. Like nose looks pretty similar. Like you know, obviously a little bit, you know, extra poundage. But yeah, it's that's... just the two videos of Dave walking around his house with terrible t- titles. Of Even... P one zero two zero six five. Well, you know what that like, is? Those I... are just the generic auto, <laughs> right? Like because he got like a point and shoot camera or whatever. And <laughs> correct. Then... He was like, Dave, I want to try this point and shoot out. And Dave's like, oh, I mean, okay. I mean, we'll, we'll go around the house if you want. Like, you know, like he was over for Sunday dinner or something and decided to walk around the house. Yeah, but... so then he didn't bother renaming the videos. <laughs> right. So that's what that's all about. But yeah, maybe that's what the HS is. You could most certainly be on. You think, is this man old enough to maybe where Dave takes care of him and he lives there? I don't know that. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. But he's had that email address for for I mean, decades. Forever. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, he, it's like he really the advent of the internet. He's had that. Well, email. it's fucking Juno. It's Juno.com. Yes. I mean that that dates it. That dates it as 1998, right there. Like we've discussed this. I'm shocked that that server still works. Like, how does it? I don't know how it does. I, I mean, like one day he's gonna be shocked when it just says stops working. You know what I mean? It stops working pretty. He hasn't had an issue because there's like a hamster. There's like one hamster that's on a wheel that's keeping that thing going. And like some guy at some point is in in, in his basement or something. There's a server and he's gonna eventually move out and go. What the hell is this server? And just pull the plug and then that the one person still using Juno, Dave, will be completely out of like I my email doesn't work anymore. Damn it. Well, he went. You know what he, I mean? Like that. Well, he went through a stretch there where his email was malfunctioning like every yes. other week. Um, that hasn't been the case for a while. The hamster died. Yes, the hamster that's I, keeping the, the server alive died, and then absolutely bizarre this Juno email. But um, so, like I was saying, when I first got the ballot, the first thing that went through my head was, 
you know, before you have a ballot, you think to yourself, oh, this guy belongs, this guy belongs, I'd vote for this guy, I'd vote for 15 different people. Then when you really look at it and you have the responsibility in your hands, it kind of went the opposite of me where I was like, I became real conservative. I was like, oh, hold on now. I, I really, I think this through. I'm not going to vote for this guy. Nah, not second thought. This guy. Now that you have it and you're looking at it and you know that your vote counts, has, have any, has your mindset changed at all in terms of, oh, absolutely. of some of the people? Absolutely. It's been a lot more stressful in terms of just just basically like looking at the names. And another thing as well is that because, um, you know, we do this on a public forum and we reveal our ballots. If I was doing a secret ballot, maybe I just kind of go, ah, whatever, you know, no one's going to really know. But the fact that we were vocal on here, you know, throughout the month, we're going to have coverage and then we're going to do, you know, a, a final podcast at the end where everybody that that on the website that has a ballot is going to, you know, mention their ballot, talk about who they voted for, all that sort of stuff. So knowing that's a public forum, yeah, I mean, the stress level right now is like, okay, I can't just make a pick like willy-nilly. I can't just say, yeah, that guy, without like really being able to defend it. You know what I yes. mean? Because people are going to go, oh my God, why, you know, X or whatever. And, and you know. Or why not X? Howard or Finkel. Or yeah. Or, yeah, why not? Yeah. Oh, you didn't vote for, you know. Now it's a lot more where, yeah, I've come on these podcasts before and go, yeah, that guy deserves to get in. Yeah, that guy deserves But, no, you know, I would never say, I've never came up with a ballot because there was no point for me to do that. So, no, I do have an extra stress level now of like oh shit like in this next month i really gotta like put a list together of okay these are guys that i really like or these guys that i think could do it but then really go out there and make sure that i research them and vote because i'm not one of those people that it's gonna some people do that some people even do that with you know the baseball hall of fame and the basketball hall of fame and the people that vote on those they get the ballot and then within a week or, or within a day even some guys just write it down okay this guy's a hall of famer you know they do the eye test is that guy a hall of, yeah just do if i you'll see this guy's name do i think hall of famer yeah check or whatever you know, we, we know our community. We know the, the wrestling community. You can't do that. You know, you know, I vote for Howard Finkel. I better fucking be able to back that up. You, you know what I mean? Like, people are just going to go, oh, Howard Finkel, that's cool. Like, that's not what's going to happen. So that's every vote that you do, every everything that you do really, really counts and is really important. And, and especially on this platform, we're going to have people, you know, knowing who I voted for. So, yeah, I, I'm right with you. It's this extra stress level of, oh, my God, I better make sure that I really, really – think this guy's a hall of famer before i just throw his name down there and vote on it so no it's absolutely changed my mentality yeah and i i personally have never voted for more than four or five people in a given year anyway i'm very conservative with who i vote for um have you decided what categories you're going to vote in uh yes so i am doing here one sec we, we talked about these before and, and and one of the reasons is and, I, and we've come on again in previous years we've done these podcasts where we'll talk about every single category and i you know at least to some level think i know a little bit about a few guys in every single category for the purposes of voting, though, I'm going to stay out of a bunch because I just I, I don't feel right doing it. You, you know, like the historical performers, I'm not doing. There are a few in there and it might be depending on who I do for non-wrestlers. I might have to change because you know, obviously the non-wrestlers do count in that if they're historical non-wrestlers or whatever. That one, for the most part, I'm going to stay out, though, because I just don't think I can do it justice. You, you know, yeah. putting a vote in for whoever i'm just throwing a name out like john tolis or whatever if i say yeah john tolis you know he, he was really big draw in california and all this sort of stuff if i just throw a vote at him and then don't really research all these other guys properly i feel bad you know what i mean yes. like then it's like well shit you drew everybody else's percentage down i'm not going to do that so i'm not doing historical modern u.s obviously going to do that one uh, i followed japan i'm going to do that one i followed mexico absolutely <laughs> staying out of that one completely because i i can't even begin to try to think of of, of you know, of doing the research for that and knowing that there's so many other people that do it and do it better and do it well. So, yeah, they, that that I'm not really going to do. Uh, uh, wrestling in Europe, I also am probably not going to do. Um, 
we, we've had a lot of discussions on this forum we, or on the forums and, you know, on these podcasts about the, that category. And I feel like I know a decent amount about it, but not enough where I really feel confident in voting. Um, and then the Australia, Pacific Islands, Caribbean, I'm going to stay out of that one. And then obviously I'll do non-wrestlers. So I'm going to do modern Japan uh, and non-wrestlers. But otherwise, I'm going to stay out of the rest just because I, I just don't think it's fair. You know, if I put a if I put one vote for one guy, I don't want to drag those other guys down percentage wise because I, I just. I'm not going to be able to do the research worthy enough for historical or whatever. So I completely agree. And we talk about it all the time. I think um, a lot of people really need to just uh, – there's probably some voters who probably need to just stay in their wheelhouse um, for that reason. You know, I, I think um, what's happening in some of the categories, uh, if you study the voting totals, is maybe you know, people will see a recognizable name in a region that they're not all that familiar with. Vote for that name. But in essence, you're then voting no for everybody else and dragging their percentage down along with that. So I don't necessarily think that's fair. That's why I struggled with the Carlos Colon vote um, so -hmm. much over the last two years. And the first year I stayed out of it. And the second year, I I really felt so strongly that Colon belongs in that, you know, I I studied the rest of those guys in that weird miscellaneous category and and made sure that I at least had some kind of, you know, surface knowledge of their, of their candidacy because the year before I knew nothing about, you know, half of that category. Just didn't, Mario Milano. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the first thing about Mario. Milano. So, you know, I, you know, I, I had people send me stuff and I went over some stuff and I felt comfortable enough to where none of the others jumped off the page uh, at me as hall of famers, except for my boy, King Kong Zaya, who fell off the ballot. Oh yeah. I know. I, I was looking for his name earlier. He's no, I think me and Matt Farmer were the only two people who voted for him. <laughs> were, were the two people who, 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 yeah. What did he have percent wise here? I, I got the Mookie Ghana thing here up. Uh, let's see. Where was he? I, I don't think he did very well. I think, I don't think uh, he had a, I think it just came up. Uh, oh, he did. <laughs> oh no, no, no. He had uh Oh yeah. Zero. Yeah. So it came up as like no vote. Yeah. Right. So. He got, and I, I, and I know for a fact that I voted for him and I'm assuming if Matt Farmer was the other person who asked to have him put on the ballot, and I think he was, um, I would assume that he voted for him if he asked to have him put on the ballot. Um, but I mean, so yeah, so this year, I mean, I'll vote for Cologne again, and I won't vote for anybody else in that category. But I'm with you; it'll just be you know U.S., Canada, modern, and um, and Japan. I don't vote historical. I'm not going to vote historical until everyone is until it's all. Hulkamania era guys and moving forward. Sure. Because that yeah. I have a working not I you know, I it's it's you still have guys on there who peaked in the sixties. I can't you know, I it's not fair. Okay, give me your Red Bastine hot take. Well actually I like Red Bastine a lot. I don't like him as a Hall of Famer. Right. But um, you know, he's actually one of my uh, favorite wrestlers ever actually but i mean I, I don't i just i don't think he's a hall of famer but yeah there's there's other examples there that it's like i know you know i don't know enough about him so it's, it's just not fair but yeah so yeah it's just, it's just see what categories you're going for now like you said we're going to be doing a lot of stuff with this you're going to be writing plenty of stuff where you have some podcasts planned at least a rough framework of a couple we're not going to do a podcast for every region like we did last year we agreed on that correct Yes, correct. Okay, so uh, don't expect that, but we are going to have some content as we move along. The deadline, I think, is the first week of October, but the results aren't released until November, correct? So we've that's right. Got yeah. about- so we're, we might do stuff even after the ballots come out, just because it's going to be so hard to pack everything into this month. Yeah. So it, it's it doesn't do it justice. If it, so, and and that's one of the things that I mentioned. I wrote an in, uh, in introduction on the website today, just to kind of give people an idea of it and, and give a people. Uh, give people a reason why you know you and I or this entire site why we love covering this because some people kind of roll their eyes and they go who cares it's you know a fictional hall of fame the guys don't have ceremonies it's it's a wrestling hall of fame. who cares and I, I had to mention that you know this is something that you and I have 
for God going on a decade now have argued about Hall of Fames, not necessarily wrestling Hall of Fames, but, you know, basketball Hall of Fames, baseball Hall of Fames, specifically baseball Hall of Fame. Going back to our Madden Mania and the virtual sports network days or whatever, it's always something we've been into as Hall of Fames. So that's a big reason why we do it. And we think it's just kind of cool and it's fun and it it leads to more than anything, it leads to research about guys. And I think that's what's the most important part is that, you know, in, in the end, who gets in and who doesn't really doesn't matter. But I like to think that I educate myself. That's every single year, and that's why I've done work even when you know I didn't have a ballot. Is I just like knowing about these guys, researching these guys, talking about these guys, finding out more. That's that's interesting. You might find a guy that you you know like we just mentioned, a Red Bastine. Joe just said that's one of his favorite guys ever. If you go up on YouTube and go, hey, Red Bastine, let me find out. That's a success, and that's the biggest thing that we want to do throughout the month. So don't think of it as us hyper focusing on oh this guy should get and that guy should get. Even though we say that, the biggest point is just to to, to gain exposure for these guys and just to to learn more about wrestling history and, and current wrestling as well. So that, that's, that's basically it. So first instinct gun to your head, September 10th, Randy Orton, hall of famer or not a hall of famer. I'm going to go with no. Okay. First instinct gun to your head, September 10th, Shinsuke Nakamura, hall of famer or not a hall of famer. Mm, no. Now, Remember, you're not committing your vote here. Exactly, yes. Uh, Same deal, Shima. Shima's an interesting one. Um, Yes. Brian Danielson. Yes. Who's the other new guy? Oh, AJ, Uh, AJ Styles is back. AJ Styles. Yeah, no, right now, but he's a good contender for future. Not right now, though. Interesting. See, Brian Danielson. Anyone who's ever listened to this, um, it's a no-brainer. I here, here's the thing with Brian Danielson to me. If you if you don't vote for Brian Danielson, to me, that would be the same as not voting for a wrestler who is one of the greatest draws of all time. It's no different to me because he's one of the greatest wrestlers. Of right. One of the three criteria or whatever. He's just a knockout. I mean, he's, he's, you know, there's no discussion. I mean, he's one of the best. I mean, pretty much I, you can't find anybody in this world or you'd be hard pressed to find anybody in this world that doesn't think throughout the 2000s he was top three, top two, you know, wrestler in the world. Like, like no doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, leaving him out is no different than leaving out someone who was an all time great draw who was a mediocre worker or I'll even say a below average worker, a shitty worker. Um, but, but the fact is, you know, even if Daniel Bryan never drew a penny, you know, to leave him out would be, to me is ridiculous. You can't, I mean, one of the three criteria is, is work rate. And, and something I always try to stress is not a drawing hall. It's not a hall of fame for great draws. It's just not. Even though it always skews that way, it's it's there's three equal components, and he was so, and it even says right on the ballot that you either have to contribute something to all three of those areas or be so strong in one or two of the criteria that you can't be denied. And 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 I mean that's Daniel Bryan's work rate uh, description with T, so yeah, greatest exactly. workers of his era, and and you know one of the greatest workers of all time. To leave him out would be no different than to leave out. I I can't think of anybody off the top of my head right now, but but someone who is an all time great draw. It, it, it would be just as silly. So I see him as an absolute no brainer 
Sure. And I think the other thing that, that's interesting with him, too, is that, you know, yeah, you said that one criteria, he's got it. He's in. He's done. The other ones, too, you can make cases for, for both of those. I mean, the draw, I mean, the the, the one problem, and I, I've tried to do research this entire year, you know, building up to Daniel Bryan being on this ballot, I've been desperately trying to find Ring of Honor attendance numbers because I want to sort of show something that, you know, yes, he was on the independence. Yes, I, I, I know that some people consider that, well, you know, if he's on the independence, then how's he a good draw? Because he's only drawing 500 people or whatever, or, you know, 600, whatever the hell the number is, doesn't really matter. But I do think that, you know, no matter what, Whatever you do in the context of where you are, it matters to me. So if a guy who, who you know, if Daniel Bryan every time, or Brian Danielson rather, you know, if he if he added 150 buys or 150, uh, you know, attendance, you know, tickets sold or, or whatever, you know, on Ring of Honor shows, that's significant. If you do it in context of other guys in Ring of Honor, if he's, let's say, the best draw in Ring of Honor from, you know, 2003 until whatever, you, you know, like that's significant. To me, that matters. And I know some people don't let that matter because it's like, well, you know, he wasn't in WWE. He wasn't drawing 10,000 houses. He wasn't drawing 15,000. To me, you can only do what you do. You know what I mean? Like at that time, Brian Danielson could only draw in Ring of Honor. It wasn't up to him to draw 10,000 in, in, at WWE or whatever. He couldn't do that. But then you also look at when he goes to WWE and he's in the second highest grossing WrestleMania of all time as the main eventer. He, Brian Danielson is not a Hall of Fame level draw, but they built a WrestleMania around him. Right. Um, he was for a while there while John Cena was out injured, the most popular wrestler in the company. Uh, and look, none of those things. It shouldn't matter anyway. Though. None of those things standing alone are, are Hall of Fame qualifications, but they add enough to his to his uh, to his resume as a draw to where because he's so overwhelmingly qualified as a worker that those are nice little things to add to the resume. The fact that he had a WrestleMania built around him. And uh, he was at worst, you know, the number two baby face for what, two, a year and a half, two years, whatever it was. Yeah, about, it, uh, yeah, about that. Um, and number one when the number one guy was out injured. Um, so, I mean, and then, you know, the third category is positively influencing wrestling in a positive way. You know, the influence, um, which is of the three categories, maybe the most subjective of all. But, I mean, I think there's no question that he was a highly influential wrestler for his time. Sure. You know, and even if you don't think, again, at a Hall of Fame type level, like, like you know, a Gorgeous George type influence would be, um, where it's just a massive influence that changes everything. Uh, even if you don't think it's at that sort of level, it's it's at enough to where it's a contributing case. To exactly. It's still just an extra cherry on top or whatever. Yeah. We already got everything. We already got it. It's already there. But now if you just need these other little nuggets or these other cherries to kind of get it, you know, there you I go. Guess my point, the, yeah, yeah, I guess the, the, the point I'm trying to make is it's not like he's a zilch in the other two categories. Exactly. Right, right. He's he's a net positive in those. He's a, right. No matter what. Right. He's not a negative in any of those two categories. Exactly. He, those, don't, those don't take away anything. They just add. He has so, a minor yeah. case in the other two categories. Right. And, and he has an overwhelmingly positive case in one of the three categories, which is enough to me it's, to make him a no-brainer. Um, uh, who, who are the other guys now? AJ Styles, you know, gun to my head today, I say no. But I have to tell you. Well on a path. He's well on a he's path. He's getting very close. Yeah. Um, because, you know, let's say he has two more years where he's, you know, the best worker. I think he's the best wrestler in the world. If he has two yeah. more years where he's the best wrestler in the world – you're talking like four years, and, and 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 you know a lot of that TNA run. It wasn't like he was complete. You know, he, he wasn't a bum. I mean, he's very good in a lot of those uh, TNA years too. Um, and then you know, 
clearly a draw in New Japan. Again, not a, he's not a Hall of Fame level draw, not even close. Um, but you know, the first time he was on the ballot, he he had no case for being a draw, zero. Right, he was none. Out. I mean, you know, you know, now he's sort of building sort of a case that it, that he has drawn some money. He has um, helped reverse the forces of a company. You know, he jumped on a couple years after they already had some momentum, but it's it's clear that he's helped them. Um, you know, build to whatever they're building to. So, but again, I, I don't think he's a guy I'd vote for now. Gun to my head. Nakamura, again, I say no. He's a guy I wouldn't vote for today. He's a guy who, you know, I could easily see voting for in the future because. Right. He's got time to build a resume. And that, that's one of the biggest things that when I, when I vote for people as well, and that's, I, I'm no different in a lot of, you know, sports hall of fames and stuff like that. I mean, obviously those, you know, fictional sports hall of fames, I, I should say, cause obviously, you, you know, you retire before you're in the other hall of fames for others, but you know, like we're doing a discussion right now on my, um, uh, the, the basketball podcast to do the over and back podcast. We're trying to redo uh, the NBA's, you know, 50 greatest players list. They did that in 1996. So we're trying to, to repurpose that with add some, you know, posts, you know, 1996 guys, some current guys or whatever. My biggest thing, I don't like getting guys that still, I think have a legacy to build. Not because I don't think that they're, you know, worthy. Like if Nakamura retired tomorrow, you know, it'd be tough to make a case for him. And I probably would say no still, but at least, you know, it, it'd be a different case for me. It'd be a different way of thinking about it where, you know, I think he's got time to build on it, and that's why I don't really want to vote him now because it seems kind of disingenuous, as you said. Like let him, and it's the same with AJ Styles. Let let's see in a few more years. It might be a no brainer in a few more years versus being a oh really a, you know you know what I mean. Yes. Like it would almost be if Styles got in this year, I would be and you know obviously I'm a huge AJ Styles fan, and I don't think he's you know not worthy of it. But if he got in this year, I'd kind of go like, yeah, you know, that was, you know, I, I don't know if he's really that worthy. Whereas in two years, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he wins a wrestler of the year, you know, he wins the most outstanding wrestler. He continues to be a draw, that sort of stuff. Then he really deserves it. And then it just feels better. It, you know, in general, it's just like, okay, that man deserved it. Similar to me getting my ballot, in, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, you know, sort of backing into it or, or, or sort of getting it before your career's over or before you've come up with your resume. That's kind of weird. I like the idea of a, a guy that's really solidly, you know, definitely earned it. And maybe he's done. Maybe at that point he, he's done. I like that a little bit better. And that's why Daniel Bryan, who I kind of, for all intents and purposes, think he's kind of done, uh, at least on a major, you know, WWE level. That's why I don't, buy, uh, you know, mind putting him in. So for people that are saying, well, what about Daniel Bryan? Like, I, I kind of think that's over. So that's, uh, look, and, and, and Shima's got enough historical significance in my mind. We, we'll get to him in here in a little bit where, you, you know, I don't think he's going to add anything to that resume. He's pretty much set his standard, you, you know, or, or, or set his resume you know, for the Hall of Fame is, is already there. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a good point. Wherever you stand on Shima, it really isn't going to change much moving forward. I, What's he going to do in another year? Right. I mean, he's already winding down or winding himself down. Um, you know, the, the thing with Nakamura is, I mean, you know, he, 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 the, 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 the first, before the charisma explosion, you know, he, he, he was a guy who people thought was a good worker. They, no one, you know, he wasn't the worker he is now. Um, you know, five years ago and before and previous to that, his wasn't. I mean, he was a real hit or miss guy who he would wow you with incredible matches once or twice a year, and then he would lay a million eggs. And you know, in a lot of ways, other than last year when he won the Flair Thez, he's still kind of that guy. He's still a guy who will go out there every now and then and lay an egg, and you know, far more often than the other guy. When does AJ Styles ever lay an egg in New Japan in a big time match? When, I don't think I've seen AJ Styles lay an egg in any, that's what I mean. like, <laughs> any promotion, <laughs> really. I mean, yeah. I mean, when does Tanahashi lay an egg in a big time? Other than the overbooked, you know, TNA matches where he didn't stand a chance, AJ Styles almost always delivered. And I've I've seen him in live events all across the country. I've seen him in different places. The guy, I mean, no matter what, he pretty much always delivers. 
Yeah, and I mean it's it's you know, and I'm not trying to bash Nakamura, but when you're talking about the Hall of Fame, you do have to bring up people's negatives, and and if if you're gonna be fair about it, and um, you know, I just I I just don't see him there now. I thought um, to transition to, to Shima a little bit, and then we'll get off this. Really, we'll go over to new candidates because we're gonna do plenty of Hall of Fame. Yeah, so, absolutely. But um, you know, I thought someone who made a great point was um uh um uh Jesse f- from our forums pe- at Pesky with a million Ys on Twitter. Yeah, you with seven Ys. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. She's a big Pearl fan from uh, Louisiana, who for some reason I thought was European for a long time. I did too. I yeah. I, I don't know why I thought because well, every it seems like almost every Pearl fan that that. It doesn't seem like a lot of them, especially the weird ones, like the weird, like because she loves like big Japan and that sort of stuff. Like those ones tend to be European. You know what I mean? Like you very rarely get Americans that are like, European, I don't know. Europeans exactly. like the pearl. They like the pearl. They do. They, by, you know, by percentage wise, more of them like it. So that's, I, think I guess, right about that. But, um, but anyway, I think, you know, you know who I'm talking about and people who uh, maybe on Twitter know who I'm talking about. She posts on our forums occasionally, but she made a great point with Nakamura and Shima, she said, um, Nakamura is going to get way more support than he really deserves. And Shima is going to get way less support than he, than he really deserves. And I think that's really how it's going to shake out. Um, I can actually see Nakamura getting in. I could too. Yeah. And I don't see Shima getting in. In fact, I, I, I think Shima has it written all over him that he's going to be one of those guys who gets 20 or 30% of the vote, sits around on the ballot for 15 years between 25 and 30%, never moves significantly, is never a threat to get in, and then gets kicked off after the 15th year. That's how I see him. Yeah, I, don't I think see that's fair. As, I don't think he's going to be I a guy too. that gets under 10%. I don't, yeah, I don't think, think he's, he's out. I don't think he's a one and done, but he, I, he's never getting in. And the thing is, he may very well be a stronger candidate than Nakamura right now. He might not be a stronger candidate than Nakamura in the year 2020, but right now I think he might be. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the influence category, in terms of, um, you know, even even the ring work. I mean, who's been more consistent over the course of their careers? If we're being honest, it's been Shima. Um, you know, maybe Nakamura's highest end stuff has topped out higher. I don't know if Shima ever had a match like Nakamura has had, you know, against Kota Bushi um, or, or this recent G1 final. You know, I, I don't know that he's ever peaked that high. But, you know, over the course of his career, I mean, you won't find many guys who have been as good for as long as Shima has been. And then you factor in. Um, the fact that, you know, Dragon Gate has been a sneaky number two promotion in Japan for as long as it's been. And make no mistake, even though they rotate their champion and they have their unique way of booking, Shima's the guy in that company. I mean, right. you know, let's be honest. And, you know, you know, even though they've been a sneaky number two, and I'll tell you, there's there may have been a brief period of time right before New Japan started to really take off again. They might have been the number one promotion in Japan. Now, it may have been because everyone else was down. And not necessarily. Because oh, sure. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, it's... but they're just that steady train that just does good, not great business. And they have been doing so, you know, for the last eight to 10 years where they've really gotten it going. And they've just been that steady promotion that stays in their lane and at worst has been the number two promotion and at times may have been the number one for a brief period of time. Because you think of that 2009, 2010, who. You know, what was stronger than Dragon Gate in Japan? You could really make an argument they were number one. 
briefly. Yeah. And they were expanding, you know, the United States during that time as well. And Europe. You know, yeah. Dragon Gate UK is a thing. More so than Dragon Gate USA is now. Dragon Gate USA is dead. But, you know, uh, they were influential enough to spawn two, you know, promotions in other continents. You know, independent promotions, but, you know, it's something. So, you know, it's – and again, the problem too with Shima is people are going to look at Dragon Gate's business and say, well, they don't have any – I'm not, I'm not positive they have any five-figure attendance that they've ever done five figures. I don't think they've ever done 10,000 fans for a single show. Someone may be able to correct me, but I don't. Yeah, let me. I can actually find out. I, I don't. I, I don't think that they have. I think. Yeah, give me give me a few minutes, and I can. Fire sure, I can I, I'm. You know, their big shows do between six to eight thousand fans. I think maybe they've topped out a couple times at nine thousand, and even those figures were dubious. Um, look, I like Jai as much as the next guy. Everybody owes a debt of gratitude to that dude. He helps everyone around the world who speaks English um, follow Dragon Gate. But he report the attendance he reports is the attendance that the company reports. So I mean, you know, it's those aren't the most you know trustworthy figures that you're going to find on iHeartDG.com. I don't think they've ever drawn ten thousand fans. Um, but yeah, I'm having trouble finding it. So uh, yeah, I I, I I don't think so. I don't think yeah. they have. <laughs> but but the thing is, it's yeah. like you always say though, and like you spoke about a few minutes earlier. What about the con- you know so. Old school voters are going to say, ah, they're not a big time promotion. Dave even wrote in the newsletter this week that he doesn't consider them. You know, he said WWE, New Japan, AAA, and CMLL are the four big promotions in the world right now. And it's like, you know, I disagree with that. I would put the uh, Dragon Gate, no one's on WWE's level. And really, no one else is on Dragon in New Japan's level. There's like WWE is on its own level, then New Japan, and then there's everybody else. And it's like, um, and the gap between WWE and New Japan is way wider than the gap between New Japan and the two Mexican promotions. But I mean, I would put Dragon Gate right there, uh, maybe a slight notch below the two Lucha promotions. I consider them a major promotion. The, your older school voters are going to say, ah, who cares? 7,000 fans. <laughs> you know, in my day, uh, you know, uh, you know, Buddy Rogers. Was right. But look, it, it's context. Context is key. Right. And in the context of modern wrestling, Dragon Gate has done a tremendous job, and that's Shima. So, um, you know, but I, like I said, I don't think he's ever getting in. But long story short, I do think he probably has a better case than Nakamura right now. Absolutely. I agree. And I think, uh, you know, on the last attendance point, then we'll, we'll move on. We'll go over the, uh, the, the remaining uh, uh, new entries. But I think the attendance point is, is the thing that, that always sort of irks me. And I think it's going to be a while until people sort of adjust or if they ever adjust. And I'm not saying they need to. But I think there's, there's something to be said for, for really being more aware of context and being more aware of, of not simply a raw number of, like you said, 20, you know, 10,000. Has Dragon Gate drawn over 10,000? No, I can't find that. You know, that doesn't invalidate them because they, they stay in their lane. And, and for better or for worse, that's what they do. They stay in their lane. They do their, their they run their same buildings and that sort of stuff. But when you put them up against other Japanese promotions at this time, as you said, in, in 2009 to 2010, they were one of the best. You know, when you look at that 7,000 they get, compare that to what All Japan is doing now, that's impressive then. So you have to figure out this pool of of fans and then who who's taking that chunk of the pool that that's my biggest thing that i always come up with for attendance is that yes i i it, it would be great if everybody was putting ten thousand. you could very easily tell this promotion's doing great because fifteen thousand people are coming to their shows that's really not happening one promotion can do that new japan can do that that's it, that's it. and they can't do it that consistently either they can't do it as consistent as all japan did or or, or new japan in years prior that doesn't make what new japan's doing right now any less impressive though because there's far less fans. Contextually, probably. it's it, right. It's like uh, you know, a couple months ago, 
Triple uh, I forgot what show it was, but they popped the big house. And you know, I made the point on Twitter. I said, you know, that's whatever it was, the second or third ten thousand plus house that Triple A had done this year. And I said to people, how many promotions do you think are going to do that this year? You know, it doesn't sound impressive historically, but it's impressive right now to draw ten thousand fans. You know what I mean? And right. Just the, the pie is smaller. I mean, and so I, I think if a promotion like Dragon Gate can get you know, let's let's hypothetically say, and I I don't have any numbers in front of me. Let's you know, if we put together all the Japanese promotions or whatever, if they can get say forty percent of that pie, that's significant. I think they've been look in a sense that, that promotion's been drawing, uh, you know, relatively speaking, a lot of fans for a lot of years now. Exactly right, and I think that that's it. the relative is very important. I think, and that's that's one of the issues that people and, and I get it. There are some people, and it happens in the baseball Hall of Fame as well that people say, well, you're not, you, you know, how famous can you be or how great can you be if you're only doing X or whatever? If, you know, and and one of the things I say is, is look at, you know, again, we, we mentioned the context, we mentioned it again, there's going to be Hall of Famers in this current era of, you know, baseball that we're talking about that are going to have, you know, 350 home runs. And that's going to be really, really fucking good because guys don't hit home runs in this era right now. Right. The stadiums got bigger. The The balls aren't juiced. The players aren't juiced. The pitching is better. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that sort of happens. So, yes, there are guys that in the 90s that hit over 500 home runs that aren't getting into the Hall of Fame. Right. Sammy, Sammy Sosa is never Sammy, getting into the It's a great one. Yeah. And, and there's, I mean, there's other, there's non, you know, obviously PD sort of Greg guys. Vaughn, if you want to, Greg Vaughn. People like yeah, that. exactly. Fred McGriff is a guy who I think is what, 499 or whatever, or, or he might have eclipsed 500. I don't recall if he did or not. But these are guys now that, because of when they did it, that 500 home runs was nothing. But then again, if you put Fred McGriff in the 1920s, he's a first ballot he's Hall not, of Famer. Yeah, he's, oh my God. for the numbers. Right. right, correct. Exactly. You're going, oh my God, Fred McGriff is the greatest player of all time. It's unbelievable you know, what he, he was able to do or whatever. You know, if he retires in 1921, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt, right away. Whereas then in the 90s, he's not. But then if you brought Fred McGriff and all of his stats to today's game, now you're talking about a guy again. So it, that that would be in or that people would say, wow, I mean, he's got 500 home runs. The next closest has, you know, 375. So that matters. The context of it matters. And you can sort of say, no, 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 the benchmark is X. The benchmark is this 25,000, you know, sellouts or you know 25,000 you know attendance figures or 10,000 or whatever you want to use but you can't I mean what was used in 1974 isn't I mean it's 2015 that pie of the people that watch wrestling there's f- so few people okay are, so let me give you, you know. a counter argument then yeah okay because I listen I'm all for context arguments to a point now I don't know if sports statistics are apples to apples to this and I'll tell you why Okay. Is part of the reason that the pie is smaller because – is that because that these guys in this era are less charismatic and not as big as stars and then hence not as worthy as being Hall of Famers? What do you think it happens? That's, uh, yeah, and that's – and people have said that and I, I – to agree, I, I understand why people would say that. And I, I – you know, it's it's hard to argue that in some sense. But I do think especially with the way the business has changed – where it's 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 WWE or nothing. In 1974, in 1983, I mean, more now more than ever, it's WWE and then everybody else. You know? Yeah. So what they do, fairly or unfairly, dictates a lot of what else goes on in the world. And you know, Japan isn't necessarily the same, but the the pie in Japan is a lot smaller as well. It, it, it's I think you can very much argue that you know it's it's obviously less than it was you know in the early 90s or the 80s or whatever like that. I agree to your point though. Yeah, you can make that argument, but I. I tend to not. How about the, you know? I would approach it even a, a different way. Um, let, let's look at New Japan as an example. 
Okay. okay. Because I think everyone would agree they're doing, no matter to what degree you think they're doing well, I think everyone would agree they're doing pretty well over the last four years or so. Um, you know, if they were doing the level of business, the exact same level of business they're doing now, but they did it immediately following their real hot period in the 90s, as opposed to following, uh, you know, where they were almost dead. That's the, I think that's the context argument you're speaking to. Because if, if they were doing the exact same business they're doing now, coming off that hot period in the 90s, we would all consider this period of time a failure, and rightfully so, because yeah. the business would be going in the reverse direction. But, but look at what they were following. The stars in New Japan now helped dig them out of the hole they were in post-Anokiism. And a lot of those guys are the same guys, but give them credit. Because those guys stuck it out, and they eventually did connect with people, and now the company is moving upward. But that is your context argument right there. Right. When you're doing the business New Japan is doing now, but it's on an upswing, a massive upswing, that's more impressive than – obviously more impressive than doing the exact same business if you're coming on a downward slope. So that's kind of the way I would approach it. it it's, it's not just context yeah. in terms of, okay – there's less promotions doing 10K houses, and there's less overall 10K houses. It's where are you coming from is, is, is where is, – to me is where the argument lies. What, what, where, what came before you? To me, that's the important part of the context. Yeah, well, and you mentioned another another good example for people is you know all Japan. Let's say this current all Japan, name it guy. He just catches Let fire. Miyahara, perfect example. Miyahara, they, they say, you know what, fuck it, let's do on, it. Yes. Right. Let's do it. Now, all of a sudden, they're selling out Korokin every single time. They're going to Sumo Hall sometimes here and there. Does now, does me, and then this happens for five years. And Miyahara is the top star in there. They, you know, they'll, they'll draw, you know, 9,000 every single night or whatever. Or they'll, they'll, you know, do some Sumo Hall shows here and there. Does now Miyahara not worthy because, well, Kent Kobashi and, and Masao and those guys did a lot better they in the night. sold 90s. out, you know, Budokan right. for five years. Budokan every single years. time. I mean, they, those yeah, guys right. fart in an arena and 15,000 people came or whatever. So does that make Miyahara then less worthy of being a Hall of Famer, even though he took them from, God, what, 200 people coming to their shows to now they're selling out 9,000 every single night or whatever because he isn't the level of Masao and Kobashi and, of what they and, did. And nine. doing it with a smaller pool of fans to draw from. Right, again, and that's that's what I think is important. And bringing some fans back, which is harder to do than sustaining fans. I, I totally get your point. Yeah, and so I get, I get, and you, you mentioned that one thing, and that's what people do bring up is that well, the stars these days are not as good, and that's why people aren't, you know, <laughs> why there's not as many. And yes and no, but I think at some point you can't just continue to to punish these guys for it. I mean, there's there's so much you can do, and yes, if it gets hot and if it gets lucky, and all of a sudden something happens, it can have another explosion. But I, I just I'm not in favor of doing that. I just can't do that. I have to judge guys where they are, where the context of what they do, and as you said, what they're coming out of and what they're going to go towards or whatever. If if you know this is only the beginning for Miyahara, and and all of a sudden we notice, oh shit, well there's just a lot more people that liked. You know, all Japan never goes. Away. I mean, it stays, but then you can still make the case that he still brought them from nothing to something. So it, it's, I, I think that's very important. I think it is very important to let go of sort of what you consider these, these arbitrary benchmarks of that sort of stuff and, and, and not worry what guys in the nineties did or guys in the eighties or guys in the seventies and, and, and let guys do what they do in their era. How are they, how do they represent their era? How well do they perform in their era? I think that's super important. I'm, you listen, just I'm more it, impressed yeah. by a guy who bumps business. Now I'm more impressed by this new Japan crew bumping business than I am by some guy in the seventies who came into a territory that was already doing 11,000 fans every month. And, they, and then they did 11,000 fans with him there too. He didn't improve anything. 
uh, I'm more impressed by the guy who improved business than the guy who held business steady or, you know, because right. somebody like, uh, I, I don't even want to name a guy. It, I, if Wrestler X in the 1970s headlined 47 10K plus thousand houses, that that doesn't necessarily impress me until I dig deeper and see what did he do comparatively to the guys in the territory before and after him. Well, That's yeah, and, and also – and you can look at shows in between that where maybe Wrestler X was doing a tour of, of wherever. So how did, they, how did it go then? You know, When he right. was gone, he wasn't on top. Did they drop by you know, 5,000 people? 5,000 people said, ah, screw it. I'm not going to that show or whatever. Or did it stay steady? If it stayed steady, you know, then you can sort of make an argument that – yeah, right. Or like and, – and of course, it's not just one or two. You'd have to look at a, at a number of different shows to see that. But yeah, it's, it's – there just needs to be more. I think look, you know, context specific attendance stuff, and it's hard to do. There's the numbers just coin are aren't as you know as easily or readily available as as we'd like. Keep or, or in mind, like when me and Rich so, yeah. talk about this, we're talking about people who are already Hall of Fame worthy or Hall of Fame borderline. We're not suggesting um, that if uh, Christian Rose starts to pop, you know, 800 fan houses in AAW, and they were doing 500. <laughs> Why'd you bring up that before, name? Uh, yeah, I'm just throwing names out there, but I mean, you know, th- that's not what we're saying. We're talking about people who are already Hall of Fame caliber in terms of work and, and borderline Hall of Fame caliber draws right. already. Right. I mean, uh, we don't want people to get the wrong idea, but it kind of leads me into the last guy that I didn't, say, which was Randy Orton, and it's like I I will admit, and you know, I have a bias against modern WWE candidates unless they're John Cena or whatnot because when it comes to your Randy Orton's and your Jeff Hardy's and your Batista's and your Edge's, you know, those kind of guys, I will never vote for any of them because I honestly believe – well, let me leave Batista out of this because he's a guy I was kind of on the fence with. But when it comes to Orton Mm -hmm. and Edge and Jeff Hardy, and I truly believe, and I don't know if my opinion can be changed, that they were nothing but cogs in a machine that was already rolling and you could remove Randy Orton from history and I don't think anything changes. And that's why I will never vote for Andy Orton. I don't care how many times Dave Meltzer tells me that he's the 23rd best draw in the history of wrestling or whatever it is based on how many uh, 10K plus houses or pay-per-view buy. I don't think he fucking mattered. John Cena mattered. That's clear. Brock Lesnar is starting to matter. I think that's pretty clear. Um, You can come up with some other – I don't think Edge ever fucking mattered. You're never going to convince me of that. And and you know, popping one rating after he cashed in money in the bank. I'm sorry. And if that would have been anyone else in that position, they would have popped that rating on that Monday night because the money in the bank was a new thing, and that was something fresh and exciting. I don't think Edge or Randy Orton or Jeff Hardy. I don't think those guys ever made a difference. I really don't. Um, and I'll never vote for those guys. And I do have a bias against them. And a lot of people Jeff Hardy's said, an interesting one. I'd like to do a little bit more work at Jeff Hardy because there was a while there that, where he was. And a lot of people agree with you. But yeah, I, I've looked at it and I don't see it. I, like, you know, Meltzer says all the time too. Oh, Jeff Hardy, he was arguably the top star in the company for sure. I don't see it. I never saw it. Um, you know, you know, he moved the needle a little for TNA too, which might. Because no one moves a needle there, so maybe there's right. He was never. I mean, we, when we first started this podcast, we used to laugh. I mean, the things when he would main event a pay per view, all of a sudden there'd be this extra thousand people that would buy it, like every single Which time. Percentage wise, you know. was huge for them. Exactly right. So that, that's and that's when we talk about context stuff. Is like, yeah, he was adding, you know, you know, fifty percent of the, to the pay per view buys, you know, on, on every time he was main eventing. So that that's, I, like I said, I'd have to do a little bit more research on him. I've done research on Randy Orton, and I'd like to do even a little bit more. I haven't really found it that Randy Orton was anything. He he was. If anything, you know, in the re- if anything, you found that he's hurt business. Exactly. Yeah, he was for a while, and he like everything I found of, of looking at you know him versus shows where he wasn't on and that sort of stuff went for a while for the first few years that Randy Orton was a thing. He was a draw. I mean, people, you know, didn't they didn't turn away. 
They they added buys. They added, you know, maybe it was it would stay neutral, anything like that. And then as it went on, I mean, by God, two thousand nine ish, I think he he got a little ticks here and there. And then from like two thousand eleven until you know the present, if he's on a pay per view or if he's on something, it, it was nothing. It was just nothing at all. Like it did absolutely zero extra business and it hurt business. People were clearly bored by him or something. So again, I'd like to do a little bit more research on that. But yeah, as a draw, he doesn't really quite do it for me. And and I, I for the WWE guys, and I'm sort of with you as well. I tend to first look at how are you as a worker, what is your historical significance, and then I'll look at the draw because WWE is so hard. And as I mentioned earlier, I think it's WWE and, and you know, I said WWE and the other guys. And as you said, it's sort of – it's a machine that just kind of goes on. And it's a brand. It's very much more than any other time in wrestling history. WWE – you go to a WWE show because WWE is in town. Big, you know, Big, big Show is another example of this. Right. Now, he's back on the ballot actually, so this is relevant. He's another guy where – you know, Meltzer will do these things and tell you that he's the 17th best draw of all time based on these numbers. But come on, did he really matter in the grand scheme of things? Or did it, or did it matter that he was wrestling John Cena and The Undertaker? You know what right. I mean? To me, it could have been any, anybody else in that role. I, 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 listen, I lived through the, through the Big Show era as an adult, okay? In my gut, he didn't make a difference. I, he just didn't. I'm sorry. I, right. I, I, you know, and um, you know, him and, and and Orton are very similar in that regard. Um, I, I'll never vote for those guys. Because, and it's just it's like you said. And maybe that's unfair and wrong. And maybe I'm off base. But the thing is, it's so impossible to prove in this era, especially now with the network where we can't measure pay-per-views anymore. Either. Yeah, it's over now. Yeah, that way is over. So we got to find a whole different way. To, and it was, it was hard it. enough when we could measure pay-per-views. Right. And that's, and that's why brand I said those versus guys, the wrestler. Now it's even more impossible to do. Yeah. And I said with, with those WWE guys, and that's why I'm, you know, now obviously starting this process, the biggest thing I'm going to look at with those two is the other two criteria. Okay. Historical significance. And then in ring work, you know, a, a great all time, great in ring worker. Yeah, Big Orton's Show and Randy Orton. That, I that mean, movie. that's not for me. I mean, some people might say that. I don't think so. I think Randy Orton's pretty at a whole, mediocre. At a Hall and, of Fame level, I mean, come on. Not. I mean, Hall of Fame level's tough for me. And historical significance, I mean, yeah, Randy Orton's a you know, 7,000-time you know, WWE champion or whatever. But, you know, again, context matters. You know, what's, his, being a, what's his historical influence or there's nothing Exactly, there. yeah. Right. I mean, you could bring up multiple you know, titles, but again, we talk about the context thing again. If he was a seven time WWE champion and, you know, 1986, whoa, oh my God. But no, now it's, you know, who cares? You know, Edge is 42 time, you know, WWE champion and, and numerous when you add in all of his titles. That doesn't mean anything, though. There's so many titles going around that, that you know, that X amount of titles doesn't really mean, oh, well, they really said he was the guy. You, you know what I mean? Like, did they really think Randy Orton at 17 different times was the guy in the company? You know, it's it's you can't use that anymore. You can't really look at that. So you got to look at yeah, historical significance. And that's, as you said, it's very subjective. You know, in my heart of hearts, no, Randy Orton isn't a s- historical figure in any respect. I don't even respect. know what angle you could even attack that from. To make Big show, I mean... You can't even make a case for those guys with that criteria. If there was an influx of like seven foot four guys that got into wrestling, like maybe, like I don't know what the big shows or the giant, you know, going far back as WCW, what his historical significance is. Edge, I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you're Kane or the big show or Randy Orton and you spend 15 years in that company, you're going to, you're going to place highly on lists like that. Um, And I, and I'm not necessarily sure it, it, whether it's cause or effect. You know what I mean? It, it, right. it's, in my opinion, it's just it's just you you stuck with a company 
that already that where the brand is the draw primarily and 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 you were lucky enough to main event some house shows because eventually if you're at the company that long you're going to main event some house shows and and you know unless you're Heath Slater or Zack Ryder and can you believe those guys have almost been in that company for ten years? Can you believe yeah. that? Isn't that crazy to think about? It's there was somebody Kofi I looked Kingston at the other day too. Kofi Kingston's another one. Almost ten years. Yeah, you, you were bringing up uh, – because you, you were doing that. You were, you were tweeting those out. Who the hell did I look up? And I was just like, oh, my God. Like like we always talk about, we look at like those first FCW matches they're in or the first you know, Deep South Wrestling if you go back for some guys. And you look at the other guys in those it lists. It gives you great like, context of how long they – It's like, oh, my God. Who was the guy that I was looking it up? It was probably Ryder or Slater because that's what I wrote about in the Superstars. Of- ah, who the hell was it? I, I'll have they, to figure they, out. They started eight years ago and nine years ago respectively in the company or something like that. And their, their first matches were against like Derek Neal. Kirk and (laughs) guys that you haven't thought about in a decade, you know, and it's, it's, you know, they were in deep South and, you know, it's, it's like, it, it, it's crazy. It's, you know, um, the the clock has to be ticking on these guys. I mean, I I actually like both of those guys a lot. I think they're in their roles and I think they could do more with Zack Ryder. Um, because to me, anybody who's more over than the level of their push for as long as he has been, there's something there. I'm not saying, He's a WrestleMania main eventer, but why on earth is that guy over? He gets he's been getting beat like a drum for nine years, and he still gets a pop when he comes out. I mean, I figured out who it was it was Jason Jordan. You know, you see him on NXT, and he's like they 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 present him as this young upstart, and he's like this young guy or whatever. His first FCW, he goes back as far as FCW. Uh, it was Biggie Langston and Calvin Reigns wow. defeating Jason Jordan. Who was his partner, Joe? I can't even make a guess. Abraham Washington. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's Jason Jordan, who is like, you would think when, if you really didn't know this and if you didn't look this up, every time he comes out, they act like he's this young upstart that's like on his way. And like, the guy's been there since 2011, like, yeah. like mid 2011. It's just, it's unbelievable sometimes. Yeah. Four years. Going on five years next, you know, it's in. Doing, doing hip tosses in the performance center. Can you imagine? Like, so that's the kind of guy, if he ever makes a to the main roster and he sticks around for five or six years, he, you know, you're not going to realize that he's been in the company over a decade at that point. It's, 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 it is pretty wild to think about, but yeah, so we'll be doing a lot more hall of fame stuff. That's just a uh, quick overview of some of the newer candidates. Actually here, r- real quick. I, I want to run down this cause there's one well, more guy. Uh, I think really about power, but you know, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Cowboy Bob Ellis. I don't think any of us have a strong Cowboy Bob Ellis thought, but uh, Bob Geigel, what's your Bob Geigel thoughts? Uh, as a guy, I'll have to. I mean, I'm not going to vote in that you know, right. category anyway. But I, you know, I, you know, he doesn't strike me as someone who's an automatic no. I take a look at that. Yeah, there's some other ones. There's Eddie Quinn, Rocky Johnson. Go to the ballot. But there's one guy you missed, Samoa Joe. No, hey, see, that's the thing. I don't see him on the ballot. They said he was going on the ballot. Oh, they did. Is he not on there? He's not on. But I'll be damned. He's not there. Okay. Well, but Dave said. Dave definitely said he was supposed to be on the ballot. And then you never put him on the ballot. So there's some confusion there. But (laughs) the fact of the matter is there's no chance in hell I'd vote for Samoa Joe. No. Um, Now, look, he won – he he didn't win the Flair Thez, did he? Or did he win most – He He won most outstanding. Okay. Because I think Shinsuke Nakamura and I think – who do I want to give credit to this? I think it was Brandon Howard who made the point. If Shinsuke Nakamura doesn't get in, he'll be the only Flair Thez winner ever who doesn't get in the Hall of Fame. Um, but I think didn't didn't Mystico win the Flair Thez? 
Yeah, let's let's say I'm gonna run this real down. Harley Race, Ric Flair, Ricky Chozu, Akira Maeda, Ric Flair, Jumbo Saruta, Ric Flair, Big Van Vader, Kawada, Masawa, Kobashi, Masawa, Stone Cold Masawa, Triple H, uh Keiji Muto, uh Kurt Angle, Kenta Kobashi. Yeah, Mystico in two thousand six, so he he would remain, That's but he's one. not eligible yet, but he'll be on there. Relatively soon, John Cena, Chris Jericho, John Cena, Tanahashi, and then, yes, Nakamura from last year. His point was, of the people who are eligible, Nakamura would be the only one who, if he doesn't get in, who is in the hall. That's interesting. That's Yeah, let me look at most outstanding here real quick. I don't have the entire uh, Observer list, but I think we can probably take a a solid guess. Let's see most outstanding, because, of course, uh, Smojo... 2005 won that. So it's uh, Ric Flair, Fujinami Flair, Liger, Liger, uh, Kobashi, Miami Toyota, uh, Rey Mysterio, Masawa, Koji Kanemoto. Okay, I don't... Is he? He's, he's not, not in, in right? Fame, no. Yeah, no, no, didn't think so. Uh, Masawa, Benoit, Angle, Benoit, Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson, who have four, uh, four consecutive wins. Uh, ten, oh, sorry. He had ten. He changed his name to Daniel Bryan at that time. So he's got ten. Uh, Davey Richards, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and AJ Styles. So most outstanding, you get a little bit more. I mean... Historically, no. Davy Richards is never getting in. Davy, yeah, he's um, gonna buck that trend. Brand, you know, Danielson should get in at some point. He's got ten. He has no four. He's got one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five. I did. That didn't sound right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's there's only a couple there that aren't ever getting in. So you know, those are good indications. There's a couple there there never. Now, Joe, uh, you know. I, you know, my my gut instinct is no, but what makes him a significantly worse candidate than AJ Styles or Brian Danielson? Well, when you look at it, Joe never main evented a – he doesn't have those fringe – the stuff we talked about with Daniel Bryan, right. which is the stuff that props up his candidacy. He didn't main event – he didn't have a WrestleMania built around him. He wasn't the second or most popular wrestler in WWE for any stretch of his career. And honestly, he wasn't as good as Brian Danielson for as long. There you go. And yeah. so that's what separates those two. What separates them from AJ Styles? Well, AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the world for the last two or three years. A lot of people would have argued that Joe was for, you know, between maybe 2005 and 2007 or something like that. Um, but then again, we both sat here and told you we wouldn't vote for Styles either. So and, and when and when Joe goes to a company in Japan and helps them, you know, do what Styles has done. So, you know, I he's he's firmly behind those guys, if you ask me. And I I couldn't even fathom an argument for him, to be honest with you. But he's not on the ballot, but they've never put him on anyway. So, so that might tell you <laughs> all you know. I think if he yeah. was on, he'd he'd immediately fall off. I don't think he'd get ten percent. I agree. Yeah, I think so, too. But yeah, as mentioned, we're going to do a lot of coverage of Hall of Fame uh, throughout the next two months. So stay tuned and we'll actually, uh, you know, have it on the columns, podcast, all that other good stuff. Speaking of Joe, did you watch watch NXT this week? I did. Yeah, I thought even though he was only in the ring for about three minutes, that was the best Joe performance. It was. was Yeah, he he had a different speed. There was a different speed to him, and he's he hasn't had that in NXT. And I don't know if he's either just been hurt or that's just kind of the speed he's been working or whatever. He's been very methodical, very slow, and and that's you know Joe's good at doing that, but Joe's really really good at doing you know a lot quicker you know quicker paced offense and stuff that looks like he's just throwing guys around. He was ragdolling guys you know out there, um, you know in the NXT, and that I think that was important. I think that really set the stage for okay, this is this is what Joe is capable of. When either you know maybe it wasn't into what he was doing before, but no, I agree. I think he was. Easily the best that Joe's looked so far. I thought his last two televised matches were his two best matches. He dragged Baron Corbin to a very watchable match, which nobody, you know, pretty much everybody gave decent reviews for that match. And then I thought he personally looked his best 
in this match against the Lucha Dragons. I thought he looked great coming in on the hot tag, killing people like you're saying, ragdolling guys. He was just throwing <laughs> little uh, Samurai Del Sol all over the fucking place. That was, like that, that was great. That was a hell of a match. All four it was really good, yeah. You know, you had Devitt playing Ricky Morton, selling his ass off. Did I say Devitt or Balor? Did I say? Yeah, well, I just said Samurai Del Sol. So I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's hard, man. It's tricky. Yeah. Uh, we're not, He's wearing the same mask. I mean, it's really we're hard. We're not those yeah. guys. We really are. No, no, I don't want I Like, every time I do it, it's an honest mistake. Like, I don't want to do it, but I, I just sometimes I can't. Yeah. So, so I mean, Balor yeah, so. selling his ass off and, and, and then the hot tag and Joe cleaning house. And, and, you know, we saw flashes of the Joe old. I thought the Lucha Dragons looked great in that match. Um, it was a it was a good little TV match. I enjoyed it a lot. And I'll tell you, that was my favorite episode in NXT in a long time. I think we're going to disagree on a minor point about it. I love the fact that we got a match from a different venue. I thought that was cool with different commentators. I love the fact that they showed highlights of other first round matches from the house shows. That was cool. I thought that was cool. And because of that, because we weren't just stuck in full sail the whole time. You know, I really enjoyed the way that show was structured. You know why? Because we say it all the time at WWE. The shows are always the same, and they never break structure. And this was different, and they did different things. Mm-hmm. And they showed us highlights from house shows with 100 people there, and then they gave us a full match from a major arena with different announcers. Man, I love that kind of stuff. I love that it was different. I love when things constantly get switched up and things are different. I cannot – I just wish I didn't have to hear an Uso on commentary. I avoid SmackDown. You know, people <laughs> like Uso on commentary. He's so bad. He's oh terrible. My. I'm glad he, he makes me. He makes the fucking Pope sound like fucking Jim Ross. He's so bad. I really don't think he's any good either, but – there was a point. There was like five minutes where he just didn't say anything. Like, I wish, like, not like, I wish he wouldn't say anything because he's no. I know, no, and like, and and I don't mean that he was like he didn't say like because there was a point. There was like a minute where he also was silent. But I mean, even when he talks, nothing is coming out. It's just garbage. It's just like yeah, here we yeah. go. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Like he's, you're you're offering nothing of value, like zero of value. He's a he's so he's bad. A Samoan Jerry Lawler. He just <laughs> he's really bad. Like he makes noises and sounds and just says generic shit. And um, you know the watchouts, the here we goes. Yeah, it just I don't know. I don't like them. Um, they probably love them because you know that's right up their alley. They love the watchout. There we go. That you know, Jerry Lawler's you know for the past ten years just shrieked when something happens. So that's you know yes. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's any good. Um. But yeah, he, he doesn't have a great grasp of the English language either. He's just <laughs> yeah, that's it. Why did they ever give him the, a mic? Like the street talk, which I, you know, it's fine, but that's not really great for a wrestling commentator. You know what I mean? It's it, it, I don't know. I just I'm not into him. But uh, but yeah, I really like that episode of NXT. Look, the two women's matches were dreadful, and I think you made a good point on Twitter. We're seeing a changing of the guard with the NXT women now. A lot of them have graduated. We got a lot of new ones coming in, and it's not going to be pretty for a little while. Um, no, it's gonna be. It's gonna be ugly, and you know when Dana Brooke, you know, is is one of the more impressive ones of the bunch. That's not saying a whole ton. Um, you know, I know these new girls are coming in with great reputations. Look, I I don't follow them. They haven't shown me anything in NXT. And look, I know that yeah, Casey Cassidy. I forgot what her name was. And in, in, yeah, she. I know that's partly by design. I get it. You know, they bring them along slowly. I'm not writing them off or anything like that. But those two women's matches on that show yesterday were not any good. 
Um, so, you know, that this is a transition period for that. I love this Dusty Rhodes gimmick. I love it. Oh, it's so cool. It's just the coolest thing. I love the fact that there's matches on house shows on, you know, before raw, uh, you know, in full yeah, I didn't know they were going to do that. I didn't know they were going to kind of be, uh, you know, in their own little context in their own little world or whatever. That was really, really cool. Now, you know, I will, there, you know, I'll have a minor gripe here and I'm going to take another swipe at the network, but you know, if you're going to have all these matches all over the place and you're going to have a camera run in and you have your a network that people are paying nine ninety nine for, how about a little subsection where you show all those matches in full? Would that kill them? You know what I mean? Would it would it kill them to have? No, I mean they, they've because you know one of the things you could say is oh they don't want to show because it's like a low rent type of thing, but they showed the damn clips on the, on the yeah, show, so point. who cares they at that point? Clips, right. So we're exposed to it. My whole thing is maybe they just don't want to expose those wrestlers in full. Sure, uh, yeah. because a lot of them aren't the guys on TV yet, and. You know, the drifter was in those highlights. The drifter, yeah, he's not ready yet. He's not ready for the the main roster yet, or the main TV yet. So you gotta gotta give him some time. I agree. I don't really care. I I'd fucking put everything on that network, man. If I had that thing, like in terms of live stuff, if we had cameras rolling, why not? Put it on. You know. You know, I'm not even saying show it live. I'm what I'm. Have have a little section live to tape. Yeah, live to tape. But, you, you but, got, I mean, they got people or or not. You edit it in a week. I don't care if I see it in a week. How, yeah, have yeah. a little box on the screen. It says Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Invitational, and then all the matches are in there. I mean, you know, they have the perfect setup for it. You could do it. It's easy. And, you know, let the geeks like us. Look, no one's going to watch it but people like us. You know, your WWE Universe guy is never going to watch it. So what? You know, throw us a bone. I'd love to watch those matches. I'd, I'd dig into there every time they put a new one up. That would be tremendous. So that's a minor gripe, though. I like that they're showing the highlights. I don't know about you, but it's impossible to read those brackets. <laughs> There's so many names. <laughs> they have to zoom in. Yeah, I laughed because you mentioned that, and I was like, oh, what's he talking about? And then I saw it. I saw it where they like, here, the Dusty Rhodes Invitational. I'm like, oh, my God. There's like I'm like pausing my feed. Like, I'm trying. I'm standing in front of my TV. And they zoomed in a little bit. But, yeah, you can't really see, like, the whole thing. They zoomed in on the one, like, here, this match is coming soon. But then, yeah, if you pause on, like, they're, yeah, they, they must just be putting fake names in there, too. Like, there's no way they actually, like, listed everything. I don't know. It's impossible to tell. I've tried. You can't. So I'd love to know who's in this thing because there's a million teams in this thing. It seems like what? Is it 16 teams? I guess it is. 16 teams, I believe. Yeah. I think it's 16 teams or something like that. Do they have it here? Let me see. Dusty Rhodes. Has anybody screenshot this graphic? And oh, we got full bracket. So Wrestling Inc. Thank you. Someone actually. uh, I don't know who it was, but. God bless them. All right. Bracket A. Bracket A. Now we're uh, these are after you know these shows or or some of these matches have already happened. Yes, so yes. some of these guys are out, but we're just going to go over the whole. Here's everybody that was in it. Uh, bracket A was Enzo Amore and Colin Cassidy, and then Angelo Dawkins and Sawyer Fulton. Okay, that's the, that's, that's the match. That's the match. Right. Yeah, and we saw that one. I think they showed a clip oh, of that did one. They? Uh, Finn Bal- they, showed- they did. Yes. Yeah, they showed Enzo and Cass versus those. Uh, I'm going to yeah. assume Enzo and Cass moved on. Uh yes. Uh, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe versus the Lucha Dragons. We saw that match as well. Right. Uh, Wesley Blake, Buddy Murphy versus the Vaude Villains. That's interesting that they put those teams against each other in the first round because that meant one of them was out immediately. And uh, right. the Vaude Villains won, correct? I believe so. Yes. Uh, Tucker Knight and Elias the Drifter Sampson versus Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder. And that's, they showed highlights the of that last yep. night. Yeah. Uh, Mojo Raleigh and Zack Ryder versus uh, Marcus Luis and Alexander Wolf. That's an interesting team. I don't believe yeah. that that <laughs> aired. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. Alexander Wolf. Wow. Okay. Yes. Uh, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable, mm-hmm. which is a great team, by the way, uh-huh. uh, versus Neville and Solomon Crow. Yeah, they they aired that match last week. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. was on NXT. Okay. Yep, you saw that one. Yeah. So, 
Uh, Salmon Crow thing not really working. It's not working. No, it's not working <laughs> it's at so all. Bad. I did. I was never a fan. Was uh, and that's nothing against the guy. I'm sure he's a great guy. Didn't like him in Dragon Gate USA. Didn't like him on the Independence. Think he's equally awful on NXT. I thought so. he was massively under overrated, overrated on the Indies. Yes. He started to grow on me just as he was finishing up, and then uh, he has done nothing to impress me in the WWE environment. He's a guy who needs longer form matches to really be mm-hmm. to showcase his strengths. Uh, then bracket D of uh, Rhino and Baron Corbin versus the Ascension. I believe we saw that Which, one. I mean, I am just I was just stunned, stunned that the Ascension who dominated NXT, I mean, just dominated, just murdered people for a year, held the titles forever. They come back to NXT <laughs> and they job them out to Rhino and, Dar- and Baron Corbin. Uh-huh. That doesn't tell you where the Ascension stands in that company. Nothing will. They can't even get a first round win in a developmental tournament. So those guys just, you know, uh, the next the next time there's a mass cleaning, those are guys who should hide their phones. Yeah. Uh, and those are guys, again, we've we've matched on the show before that have been there for like 11 years. Like you won't even know it, but like Connor has been Connor there. Connor is – let me tell you like something. 2006 or something, right? Like, Legitimately, he is one of the <laughs> longest tenured people in that company. And he still stinks. How is that <laughs> yeah, yes. Like he's still not even a passable person. At what point do you just retire? At what point do you just go, you know what? I need to find a different Well, career. I mean, like, not just... yet. He might as well take those checks while he's getting I mean, I guess. Do you mean... want to fail miserably? He's so – don't you know? He knows he's bad though, right? I would think that he knows he's bad. The other guy's not that bad. Victor is okay. Victor is okay. Connor is really bad. <laughs> it's like he has two left feet. He never gets better. Um, he's a guy who just – he's big. And, you know, I, I think he was let go a couple of times. I, I don't think it's consecutive since 2006. But the point is – He's been around since like for about a decade. It's crazy. It's crazy. And he's no good. And he's never going to, he's a guy who, like we talked about last week, nothing's going to happen. The light bulb is not coming on. He's never going to be good. Uh, And then the final match is Tyler Breeze, Bull Dempsey, and then Gargano and Ciampa. So we saw that one uh, last week. What did you think of those two guys? I thought they were okay. The match itself wasn't very good. I thought Johnny Gargano blew all three of those guys away in the match. I thought he was clearly the best person in the match. I loved his interplay with Bull Dempsey. I loved when he tried the flying cross body and just bounced off him. Um, I thought his facial expressions were great. I thought his bump, uh, yeah, I, his bumping was fucking tremendous, bumping around for those guys. He's a guy who tomorrow could just join that main roster and 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 be you know maybe not a star but but be a solid hand. Johnny Gargano for the next you know ten years. Johnny, you know. Johnny Gargano can be signed tomorrow and like you said, not miss be on that main roster and you wouldn't. He could just step right in. He's that good. He's I completely agree. Um, you know, he's very small, very small. Uh, but I mean, as far as a guy who um, could be a baby face who, you know, takes bumps and makes guys look good and be, you know, an enhancement guy. Um, yeah, I, there's no question he could do that tomorrow. You're absolutely right. And that's your Dusty Rhodes Invitational Classic Tag Team Classic, whatever the hell. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. I thought it was Invitational. It's not. So they're taping as we speak. So do you want to look stupid for listeners and make some predictions sure to go wrong? Because uh, yeah, let's do how it. Do you, yeah. How do you think this thing is going to go? I, I mean, <sighs> I'm kind of okay. thinking, I'm kind of thinking Joe and Balor get to the finals, and then one turns on the other because that's that's like- that. I, I said that when they announced those two as as a team. That yeah, and then if you watch the NXT this week, there was a very you know weird sense of Samoa Joe handing him the title. There you go, champ. You know, there's your title uh, or whatever. Is that what you got out of that? That's interesting. I, yeah. I kind of blew that off as nothing. 
I kind of thought, I mean, he, he wasn't outward, but I thought it was Smojo kind of looked at it for a second and then handed it to him and goes, oh, you know, don't forget your title, champ, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you're was, probably right. This is WWE we're talking about. So yeah, it was pretty. To me, the, Joe's turning on, on Balor. Yeah, which, you know, would be a good move, I think. Um, I would, uh, who they faced in the finals? Um, well, you got the brackets hmm. there in front of you. So yeah, I don't. Who's know. on the opposite side there? Maybe. Uh, how do you how do you eliminate the champ? Well, do the Vaude villains win the whole thing because they're the champions? Is that possible? Do the Vaude, but doesn't it kind of make the Vaude villains look like geeks if they get to the finals against them and the only reason they win? Well, I guess not. They, yeah. I guess not though because they'd be facing the champion. Right. So it wouldn't look as bad. You, you see where I was going with that. Though. Yeah, they're facing the yeah, the, the, but they're facing the champ and you know, presumably the, the the next in line for the for the NXT title. So yeah. Right. Um so you know, I, I guess it would be them in the fight. I mean, uh, it, it's going to be a short stay for Gargano and uh and Ciampa cuz they're facing um I saw who they were facing next and there's no way they're winning. Oh, uh Rhino and Corbin. It'd be Rhino and Corbin, yeah. And they're not I don't think they're going to knock Corbin out that fast. Well, you know what? I they might, yeah, they might do the dream team. Like, you know, here. That mega, he's been losing on the house no, a lot too. Yeah, so it, it it could be a deal where like the, the outside team kind of makes a decent little run. I could see them winning that. And again, the match will be over by the time people listen to this. But and he hates geek wrestling, Baron Corbin. So maybe that'll kickstart a feud with Johnny Gargano. That's a good geek. point. Well, hopefully they play off of that. And they won't, you know, but <laughs> they might. You never know. Yeah, they, they could. Um, you know, NXT, I give more benefit of the doubt. They do some yeah. little things more than the main roster does. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I guess it would, are they, are they on the opposite side of the vaude villains? Balor? Uh, they are. They are on the opposite So that side, would yeah. make the most sense, right? I mean, because otherwise then you got to knock the vaude villains out early, which is kind of like, um, you know, it doesn't make a, a ton of sense unless there's a heel. What's your hype, bros? I mean, I would expect them to win a couple matches, right? Yeah. I, you know, um, I would expect them to win a couple matches. What I like about this too is it kind of has, it has sort of a Crockett Cup feel because you know you have the team coming in from the outside, and they did that cool vignette with Regal where he said they were the two hottest free agents in wrestling, and. Um, you know, and you have a couple teams of guys that haven't even been on NXT TV yet. So it just it feels like they're culling teams from all over the place. You know, they, they brought in the Ascension from the main roster. You know, it's it's like it's got that whole cry. Do you remember the Crockett Cups or no? Is that it's, I, I, I've, I I've went back and watched them a little bit. But, yeah, I don't I, I didn't live them at the time. If that, you know. Well, you know, they, they would bring in teams from all sorts of different territories and whatnot. And, you know, it was kind of a cool deal because then you got exposed to guys that, you know, you would otherwise never see. So it was kind of cool from that perspective. It would be nice if there was an all-encompassing network of someone who owned this footage that would make it available for people to watch. Wouldn't that be nice? Hmm. That'd be great, like a, a wrestling network? Yeah. And you'd pay – what would you pay, like a flat fee per month? Something and then... like 10 bucks a month or something like that. Uh-huh. And, you know, when they had something like a Dusty Rhodes Invitational, they can you know show you the history and lineage of things like that and maybe you know put the two Crockett Cups up there for fans. Yeah, like tweet it out and say, you know, hey, you know, for people that are enjoying the Dusty Tag Team Classic, here's, you know, a, a classic tournament or whatever or, you know, program around that or if you have a live feed. That'd be, that'd be cool. I know it's a crazy idea and I know, you know <laughs> it's, the, it's the silly, Crockett yeah. Cups had some of the best tag team matches of the era and of all time, really, some of those matches. But, you know, um, you know, why would anybody want to watch that stuff? But um, I like I like tournaments in general and tag tournaments, you know, specifically because I think what's cool about them and you sort of mentioned as well, you're getting to see all these different guys. You're getting to see these characters and these guys are able to sort of in a way, stand out, and they're all serious about what they're doing. It's not like an, you know, a mindless Jason George, Chad Campbell, or Chad Gable versus whoever. You know, Chad Campbell, hi. <laughs> Welcome, Place Me Nation, Chad Campbell. Uh, you know, just like a worthless 
you know, random match on NXT that's over in 38 seconds or whatever. Everybody's coming in there, and and you know there are going to be their, your your matches that are over in a minute and under a minute or whatever. But everybody's serious, you know what I mean? That's what's cool. They all want this thing. They all want to win this trophy. They all want to win it, and and it's a big deal to them. Yes, and that's that's what's cool is you get these guys emotions, you get these guys playing off each other a little bit. Like you have Tyler Breeze and Bull Dempsey had a fun little you know gimmick there where they're kind of you know you know they're this awkward team that's together and you know stuff like that's fun. It gets guys over, and it, it's it's a quick way to get guys over too. And you're getting so many guys in, in you know 10 minutes or whatever you're getting four different characters over way more than you do just a random tag match like you, you should run tournaments all the goddamn time now i don't know if you need to do you know wrestle one style of, of literally a tournament every single month or whatever but you know something like this is, is, is cool it's really really fun and it's it's opening eyes to you know i had people saying oh this chad gable guy's really good and i said yeah he's, he's great they wouldn't have known that really you know he comes up on nxt you know every so often but he comes in as the guy who's already in the ring and you go oh well shit this is over like you know and it looks like Baron Corbin, it, and who cares? And yeah. with Tyler Breeze and Bull Dempsey, it looks like it's going to transition right into a feud with those guys. Right, and then you just build up so many things. Like when this thing is over, we just mentioned Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Tyler Breeze, Bull Dempsey. At some point, you probably get a, a Rhino Baron Corbin. At some point, they that stumped him with the Vaude villains, and yeah, right, right. So there's always that. Then you you're done with this thing, and that's why tournaments are so great as well. And that's what was so good about when, when you know major companies can do tournaments well is that when you leave that thing you should have seven different you know title matches done you know ready to go or not not title matches necessarily but feuds and everything's ready to go i mean those it's 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 so easy it's it's amazing they don't do more and, and look how excited we are about it now if this was taking place on raw and smackdown <laughs> What would our enthusiasm levels be like? We wouldn't even be talking about the fucking thing. I guarantee no. you we wouldn't even – Well, because it would be four teams. There would be four teams in it. It would be the, assen- uh, the, uh, the essential – probably no, well, maybe – well, honestly, let, let's think. Okay, a WWE tag tournament. Well, they got plenty of tag teams, but here's the problem, Rich. It would be centered around the authority, and they'd be involved in every match and screwing over every team involved. And it, the focus wouldn't be on the tournament, and the focus – wouldn't be what you're saying where it's all these characters putting over how important it is for them to win it. The focus would be on how can the authority get more over and screw everybody and, and somehow put the focus on Seth Rollins. That's what it would be. And, and we wouldn't be interested in it because it'd be, it'd be that, you know, it, 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 you know why we're so interested? There's a sports element to it. And we always talk about that. And we're guys that that's what appeals to us about wrestling is the sports element and there's a sports element to this tournament it's 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 guys going out there wanting to prove themselves and there's no overriding thing here other than everyone just wants to win the tournament which is good enough for guys like me and you yeah exactly if this was on raw and smackdown you know and and vince and kevin dunn and whoever the fuck had their hands in it it wouldn't be about that it would be about some goofy authority storyline or it would be about you know, uh, Kane, you know, making sure that Seth Rollins advances every race. It's just, and, and we wouldn't be interested in it at all. We wouldn't even be paying attention or watching. And we definitely wouldn't be spending this much time talking about it on this podcast. That's for sure. So I think I think that's your difference right there. But, um, you know, NXT went through kind of a dry spell for a while there until the Brooklyn show. And I thought the last three weeks, which was the Brooklyn show, last week's show, and now this week's show, um, I've enjoyed, you know, I, they've been excellent. I thought we're, we're kind of getting back in the groove here. Um, uh, and they've been better shows than what we saw maybe for what the two months prior. Yeah, they got really boring for a while there. They're 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 this tournament especially has come at exactly the right time because I don't know what they would really do right now, especially with the the, the the women sort of being where they are right now, where it's kind of a rebuilding phase. Yeah. This tournament has been just the perfect idea to kind of fill this gap because yeah, it's made it exciting. Like I was really interested. Like this is the first show, as I mentioned to you when we were we were starting the show. I didn't watch Ring of Honor yet. Uh, I wasn't watching it live. 
Uh, and the on-demand was was tough to find because, you know, <laughs> Ring of Honor's ringside membership doesn't really work. They also don't have it on Destination America either. But uh, for the on-demand of Destination America. But NXT was the first one that I said, no, I got to watch this because I wasn't home yesterday. But when I got home, I went and watched it immediately. It was the first thing I watched. Even after you said oh, RH is one of the best hours of TV, I said, yeah, I'll watch it eventually. But, man, I'm really interested in what happens in this tournament. So I went right away and watched NXT. And that's I haven't been doing that for a while. I've been flat out skipping NXT a lot of times as well. So I've been watching NXT in two or three week bunches for a while there where I was just, you know, you know um, crash watching it after blowing it off for a week or two. So, and you know, we're going to get Sami Zayn back soon and we're going to get Hideo Itami back soon. And, you know, those guys kind of got hurt right at the, you know, that really would have been a real cool period of NXT. If everybody would have stayed healthy and Kevin Owens was still there. We talked about that for a long time where all those stars were going to align and we were going to have all those great workers there at once, but it just didn't work out that way. Cause you know, two of the best guys got hurt. Those guys will be back soon, and it'll be interesting how they work them in. Could you have imagined an NXT with Samoa Joe and and Finn Balor and Hideo Itami and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens? That would have been incredible, but it just didn't work yeah. out that way um, because of injuries and and Kevin Owens being so awesome, um, you know that he skyrocketed right up the uh, right up the ladder and on the main roster. So. Um, you know, we say, and, and look, there's going to be an influx of guys. Yuhan Nation is, I always forget what they call him. What's his name? Apollo, Apollo Cruz. Right? Apollo Cruz. Yes, he, he got him starting to uh, establish himself now. We know that there's an influx of other um, indie names who are coming in soon. The cat's out of the bag, Rich Swan, a name that we've been hearing for months and months and months, but now it's pretty much official. Um, they're not even hiding that one anymore. Athena you know what, what sucks is I, I brought one of my buddies. I brought one of my buddies to Dreamwave, and he's a, he's a relatively casual fan. Like he he, he watches WWE. He he watches some stuff here and there. And we went to Dreamwave, and the guy that he, I swear to God, would not stop talking about for like weeks on end. He he keeps talking about him is Rich Swan. He said, yeah. "Oh my God, that guy's the greatest thing ever." Like I love his that because I, I went to go. I was going to go to the bathroom, and then I heard I saw the match that was going on. It was Rich Swan. I said, "No, I'm gonna stay here." And I said, "You were gonna want because he was like, oh, then I'll go." And I was like, "No, no, no, stay right here." And watch this entrance, and then you can go do whatever the hell you want, but you have to be here for this entrance. And then, you know, he obviously stayed. He took a video on his phone, and then I swear to God, the entire car ride home, which is like two and a half hours, he was talking about, oh, you know, what's Rich Swan done? Where's he going? What's he doing? And I was like, "Ah, I don't know if you're going to be able to enjoy Rich Swan very much longer. And then I unfortunately had to tell him the news that that Rich Swan will probably not be at his next Dreamwave show. So, yeah. So, he was so pumped about Rich Swan. So, I, I feel bad now. Yeah. Rich Swan cares. Now is when he becomes a Rich Swan fan. I was like, dude, you're, you're late. I've been telling you. I've been telling you Rich Swan's awesome. So I always picture these Chicago area indie shows like right around the corner from your house. I, I don't picture you driving. Uh, the only one is AEW was like 10 minutes away from where I live. That I could get to in like five to 10 minutes. Yeah. Easily. Uh, the Ring of Honor show, which I'm going to uh, tomorrow. By the time people listen to this, it'll be Saturday or whatever. So that one, about a half an hour or so. It, it's in the suburbs. Nobody runs in Chicago proper because it's so fucking expensive. Mm. Like any venue here would be ridiculous. Like, and a you need like a union to set up your fucking ring and like oh, set up the yeah. shit. So that's why Vince runs in Rosemont, right? Not the United Center. Like he could he could probably put you know nineteen thousand people in the United Center if he really wanted, but he chooses to you know put thirteen thousand in the Allstate Arena because he's gonna make way more money doing that because he doesn't have to pay you know a union electrician to plug his lights in. You know, I'm surprised so. that building's still standing. 
I mean, what else? Did they- well, the, the Allstate Arena, they did a massive uh, renovation on it. Uh, late 90s, early 2000s. So it's not dilapidated. It's still. No, no, it's it's I mean, it, it's it sucks. It's it's a pretty terrible arena. Like, it's fun to go in. And obviously the crowd, the way it's structured is it's so loud in there because the way it's built and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that's why every show that you see there is is insane. And that's Chicago crowds as well. It, it, it's got like weird intricacies. Like it's got like two doors to get in. So like it'll take you fucking three hours to get out of that place. There's like one street that leaves the arena, so it takes like four hours to get out of the parking lot. Like I went to a run and get home till two a.m. one night, and that's when I decided no more three hour raws ever again for me. Yeah. <laughs> After that, um, and then it's got weird stuff like the the rows go like twenty deep. You know how modern rows like every ten seats there's you, you know a walkway or whatever. Right, right, right. Not the Allstate Arena. No, it's like twenty deep. So my friend, you know, the same friend that I was talking about, which friend once we went to uh, one of the Raws or something like that, and he bought tickets. And he's like, "Oh, we're you know seat nine and ten or whatever. We'll be right in the aisle." And it turned out we were right in the fucking middle. Yeah, yeah. So we had to go get beer, and it would take like fifteen minutes to get up to get beer every single time. So there's weird issues like that where there, it's like a horrible fire hazard. So you were the you were the assholes making everybody get up. Exactly. Yeah. At one point, I was like, Dan, I I don't care. We're just not going to drink. I'm not going to going to go to the bathroom. I'll just wait. Like, because then I had to go to the bathroom, and I was like, fuck. I, and then you, I then you got to make that sports arena decision when you're the asshole that makes everyone get up. Do you make do you put your ass in everybody's face? Or, or do crotch. you put your yeah. crotch in everybody's face? I do crotch. I do crotch. I'm a crotch guy. I got to tell you. I feel you. like I have more control on my back. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, because I don't know where my ass is. You know, if I'm facing the other way, I don't know where my ass is, you know, relative to their face. You know, if I got the crotch, I'm looking right at them. So I can sort of, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And, you know, if I hit somebody in the back of the head with my ass, nobody cares. But, you know. Neither's ideal. But, you know. I, no, I mean, ideally you wouldn't do either. But, but I, I'm definitely a crotch guy. You can never just be, you know, they never make them wide enough where you can. It's a great clip. I hope, I hope somebody cl- clipped that last part out. What, that I'm a crotch guy? Yeah, Joel has to say I'm a crotch guy. That's, <laughs> that's going to come that, up. That's going to come up at some point. That'll be in our new intro in three years, so. That's right up there with, I hope no one ever finds me saying Joel Lanza enjoys hot young boy action. If anyone ever <laughs> finds that one. Because out of context, I mean, that one will get me put in jail. In context, it made perfect sense. That's why I try to say Young Lion, even if it's not New Japan, because Young Boy is just kind of Listen, weird. I got way too <laughs> excited about Komatsu and Tanaka, and I said, Joel, listen. Oh, who does hey, Listen, Joel Anza enjoys some hot Young Boy action. And unfortunately, I just gave someone the clip right there. Uh, so now they don't have to search for it. That was pretty clean, too. I didn't laugh. No, yeah, that was of pretty Of course clean. you did. No, you interrupt my intro. <laughs> but that was clean. But, yeah, when that, I'm that, pulling that. a Jared Fogle, you have no problem you know, making sure that it's clean. <laughs> Uh, how about that guy? What a nutcase, huh? Yeah, Jeez. that's you just never know your neighbors, you know? No. And that's again, that's for brands. And, and this goes to wrestling, too. This is why you don't hitch your wagon to one person for too long. Yeah, I mean, you just because I mean, that, that guy was Subway. I mean, when you think of Subway, you think of him for the past 10 years. And unfortunately, he, you know, look, I have a theory. My theory is everybody has a fetish. You might not even know you have a fetish. Uh, everyone has one. You just never know your neighbors. You know, it's like who would ever think that that guy would be a kid? Like it wouldn't even cross your mind that he's a kid toucher. You know what I mean? It's like like you can't even conceive it. It is like, you know, they, 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 they just – and then one day they just break into the guy's house. They take his computer and now it comes out that, you know, he was banging 16-year-old sex slaves brought in from Nicaragua or whatever. Yeah. It's just – what a fucking creep. You know, it's like have the decency – to have a filthy fetish that doesn't involve children, like being there's so many, there's, there's so many, many out fetishes there. you could choose from. You could you could be into feet, you know, you, you know. Rex Ryan, yeah, like Rex. Look Ryan at Rex style. Ryan, you know, 
that that guy, you know, that that's a proud foot fetish. Proud guy. fetish. He doesn't care. The <laughs> video came out of him, you know, with the stranger and the feet and his wife's feet, and it's like it blew right over. It was the thing for a couple. Because he said, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, exactly. You know, so he likes feet. You know, it is what it is. You know, you you could be into. There's a million different. Why with the kids stuff? I don't understand it. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. There's so many wacky fetishes out there. It's 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 it, it, the kids. It just blows my mind. But yeah, what a fucking creep that guy. And then it's like, you know, it's like not that it could ever be good, but then he piles on top of it by like, you know, using like sex slave prostitutes that were probably bust in at the border in the back. Yeah, like weird. Those text messages were just creepy. We're like one of them was like, how was it? And he's like, it was amazing. You know, like that one. I was just like, oh, my yeah, God. Or, or where he was like, uh, you know, well, 16's OK, but if you can find me younger. Yeah, like dear God, like oh, like drink bleach, like drink bleach and let yourself. God sick, like, you know. I mean, you know, this is a guy who probably would have banged a ten year old if he could have, you know. And yeah, that's just, just don't ever let him out of prison. Don't ever ever, and he has kids. The guy has kids. Yeah, that's where it's the worst. You know, and it's oh, God, those dude. those kids. Oh man. Uh, but anyway, so uh, what the hell? How did we get on Jared Fogle? Where I don't know. I think we were talking about <laughs> NXT and and I, I actually, what the hell did we talk about before? I think I legitimately do not know what the transition All State Arena or some shit. Yeah, you were talking about the All State Arena. Go- oh, because you were saying you, you thought everywhere I go in Chicago is like five minutes away. But that's what it was. We can move right into ROH here. We're yeah, let's do it. ROH anyway. So, um, what, 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 what do we got? With our, well, you didn't see the TV last night, which I have not seen the TV yet. But you you said it was one of the best hours of TV this year. Best so. hours of, of wrestling TV this year. It was one of the best TV shows this year. I put it right up there with any Lucha Underground episode you want to pick, and I put it right up there with the Ring of Honor episode that had the uh, Nakamura Strong match, and then the six man with Okada and the uh, Rapongi Vice against the Young Bucks and AJ Styles. Uh, which I thought was a four and a half star match. It was just as good as that episode because I thought the Roderick Strong Jay Lethal match from last night blew away the Roderick Strong Nakamura match from that show, and the Young Bucks addiction match wasn't quite as good as the six man match from that other Ring of Honor episode, but it was very good and it set some things up for the pay per view. But I need to see a full uncut version of that Roderick Strong Jay Lethal match because it was off the fucking charts but the problem was they took like three commercials during the match and I, you know I'm, I I want to see it uncut because I have a feeling that we missed some stuff there and I'm never really comfortable rating a match or 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 talking about it when you when you know you didn't see the whole thing but from what I saw it looked to be in the four and a half range or higher and potentially a serious match of the year contender. That's how good that match was. And I'll tell you something about Jay Lethal. He is a sneaky dark horse wrestler of the year candidate. He has won that title. He has owned it. His character work is outstanding. His matches have been phenomenal. And he has been a more than worthy champion in Ring of Honor. I think he's doing a tremendous job. And that show, look, I was going anyway. But that show last night was so good. And Jay Lethal was so good on that show. I would fucking crawl to San Antonio to go to All-Star <laughs> Extravaganza on Friday. I really would. I wouldn't miss that show for anything. I, 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 would, I really wouldn't. I, I, you know, I, there's no way I'm missing that show. I am so into Ring of Honor right now, especially after that TV last night and that phenomenal match. Jay Lethal, this guy is wrestling like a man possessed, like he has something to prove. He knows this is his time. You know, every wrestler has his time, you know? And for a guy like Jay Lethal... You know, if you're Hiroshi Tanahashi, your time might be 10 years. If you're John Cena, your time never ends. A guy like Jay Lethal, it's like he knows this is his time. 
and he doesn't right. know how long it's going to be, and he's really making the most of it. If you don't think he's going to go to San Antonio and try to knock it out of the fucking park in those two matches against Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, against two guys who can clearly hang, who are going to want to knock it out of the park too, you're nuts. He is going to kill it in those two matches. Uh, on Friday at All-Star Extra- next Friday at All-Star Extravaganza. And I cannot wait. It's going to be a hell of a show, and I'm, ju- I'm just having so much fun watching Jay Lethal this year because you really get the sense that this is a guy who knows this is my chance, this is my opportunity, this could be the last time in my career that I have this kind of spotlight on me, and I'm going to make an impression, and I'm going to go out there every time and just fucking kill it. And I strongly recommend, Rich, that you find a way to watch that match from last night. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to try to watch it tonight uh, as, as much as I can. Yeah, I'm going to try to find that thing because, yeah, like I said, uh, on demand, I don't get uh, decimate. I get impact on demand uh, on my cable, but I do not get Ring of Honor. And, and yeah, the, the some of the nefarious sources I tried didn't have Ring of Honor yet either. So I'm hoping by the time we're done with this, I'll be able to watch it. So but How about these young bucks, man? Is they, Look, we talked about it earlier when we were talking about AJ Styles. Is there another act in wrestling aside from AJ Styles who every single time out, every single match – deliver as consistently as the young bucks is there it's like a boring consistent like it's it's almost at, at some point like i still love them but like you just know like no matter what and i mentioned i think i mentioned that earlier in this year that it was like it's like man i wish they would just have like either a really really fucking like tremendous like match of the year level match or even like a stinker just so i can see them kind of be different because it's so it's almost gotten boring that they just have the like three and a half You're star so right. three match. they're so fucking good these guys that a mediocre Young Bucks match is better than 99% of the other tag team's best matches in the world. That's how good they are. It's If you don't vote them number one tag team of the year, you're lost. Oh, yeah. You're lost. They need to win that award. They need to break the record for how many points that, that an award is won by between the number one and the number two. They need to break the record for tag team of the year this year. They are, they, they are so fucking good that they're legitimately in the conversation to be one of the best tag teams of all time. They're that good, and they've been that good for the last two or three years. And listen, they were very good before that. You know, They were okay. They, they, were, they were good. Listen, they were guys that got booked in major places back then. And, and look, they're not nearly as good as they are now, but it's not like they came out of nowhere. People knew they were good. Okay, It's not like they were dog shit before this. It's not like they came out of right. left field. Okay, so they got a whole career of decent magic, but the last couple, last three years or so, I mean, they're just off the fucking charts. They're incredible. I'm watching this match last night, and it's just a setup match for you know the pay per view coming up or whatever, and you know it had the screwy finish or you know screw job finish and all that, you know the addiction, or, or what do they call them? They're the addiction, right? Danielson and Kazarian. Yeah, the addiction. I'm so bad with these names, but you're out really bad. Yeah, it's the addiction. And they, they change the name. You know, what were they? Were the bad, bad <laughs> fucking influ- bad intent. Remember, we used to call them bad intentions all the time. But that yeah, was, it was bad influence. That was right. Anderson and fucking and right, and, right. Uh, and and A Train or A Train. Uh, okay, you were really just that's the worst. that's yeah. nine. Giant ago. Bernard. Giant Bernard his was his name. <laughs> I used the, Prince Albert. Prince. That Albert. was like f- literally five names ago. A train, um, <laughs> Prince Albert. Yeah. So anyway, you know, but even though it was like just a setup match for stuff that was coming, it was fucking incredible. I'm sitting here going, these guys are in an opener on a TV show, a setup match for shit that's gonna happen. You know, uh, two weeks later, and it's a fucking four star match. These guys are so fucking good, and they deliver every fucking time. I forget who said it on Twitter. They're arguably the best live act in wrestling today. 
And they're just, they're just, you know, everything just came together on that show last night, you know? And you, you have a show with the Young Bucks. You have a show with the way Roderick Strong is going. And as good as that match with Jay Lee, that's one of the best TV shows of the year. And I'll tell you, you know, I'm thinking about starting to think about the Observer ballot now. We're getting into September. Soon it'll be October. You got to start thinking about these things. I got to tell you, you know, this Ring of Honor TV, it might not be as consistent as Lucha Underground was, but I'll tell you what, man. I, it's just more my speed. I think I'm going to vote Ring of Honor show of the year. I really do. Because they've had a couple of shows that, to me, were better than Lucha Underground's best stuff. And you know how I feel about Lucha Underground. It kind of – that act kind of got tired for me towards the end of the run. You know, as much as I like it and I really thought it would be a lock for TV show, I don't know. Man, um, you know, and, and look, the problem with Ring of Honor though is some weeks they really put out duds. I can only it gets real boring sometimes. Yeah, they they and not even boring. Like there's some that are outwardly bad. That, that's one of our criticisms with NXT is that I don't know if there's ever really a, a ton of truly bad NXT episodes, but there's a lot of boring ones. They'll have a period where it's just like nothing is happening, and it's not bad. It's just kind of there. Whereas you know, Ring of Honor will have the they'll have some really just like bad shows but then again their highs are so high I mean, their highs are are well above what you get on a weekly nxt show yeah you know, excluding the specials way higher highs than than any pretty much anything but maybe lucha underground that would be my biggest is, is lucha underground versus them would be a tough case because i agree they're right up there i mean i, I don't think i ever really watch a ring of honor episode and, and think i mean they've had some ones that are, are, are you know as i said you know not great or whatever but by and large it's a pretty damn good show like i don't i don't avoid it at any point like it, they, it's it's not something i go out of my way to watch and it's highly praised but yeah but you know they recently had like a four-week stretch where it was just all bj whitmer all the time and it's, yeah those were terrible shows it, you know and like the new york taping wasn't that good the baltimore tape but it's like you know when the highs are so high and and, and you know it, look lucha underground the thing with lucha underground is the the consistency there was never a bad episode of Lucha Underground. I remember when Lucha Underground first started and, you know, people were raving about the first episode and the insiders were saying, that's the worst one. And everyone was like, ah, yeah, whatever. But it really was the worst. It was true, it, yeah. <laughs> like, that that was the worst episode of Lucha Underground. By and those final, like, five episodes were just incredible. It's like, so sick. It's kind of like the yeah. Young Bucks theory we just saw. They were so good that you started taking them for granted. Where it's like, you know, it's like you'd almost wish they'd have a fucking stinker so you could appreciate how great that they are, the, the, those episodes. So I don't know. I, I, I'm at least thinking about voting for the Ring of Honor. Yeah, I don't think that's, I don't think that's insane I mean, at you all. Know, I, I don't know what I'll do at the end of the day, but, you know, the, the episode last night and that episode from a couple months ago with those two matches, I mean, that's – to me, those are the two best TV shows this year. Um, and, and I'm a somebody – I don't think I can accurately vote for New Japan on Access. It, it's tough because I, I agree, but – I will, not, I will not vote for that show. Yeah, and that's just something I feel weird about. I saw having known that they're picking the best of the best. Like, well, no, I, you, you I know, I have what a mean? problem with it from that aspect. I have a problem with it for me personally from the aspect of it's not the best show to me because I already saw the match. You've seen so everything. For yeah. me, it's not the best show. I think if someone is a viewer with fresh eyes who doesn't follow New Japan, and they or or, or more appropriately, you f- because I'll tell you what, if you follow their Twitter feed. And the people who tweet about that show, I'm shocked when I go through those timelines. A lot of the people who watch that New Japan on Access show are not up on current New Japan. It, it, you, you get the sense that that's the only New Japan that they watch, the New Japan that's on Access. Right. Well, it's a, it's a language barrier. There are a lot of people that just will not go with the language barrier. I don't think it's, a, it's an Access thing because obviously you can get <laughs> – easier than ever you can get New Japan. I think it's just a lot of those people, the big chunk of people that just 
literally will not watch it because it's in Japanese and this is their only outlet because it's in English. Yeah, and to them, it's it's all fresh, it's all new, and they fucking rave about it. They love it, obviously, yeah. because they're they're great matches. And it's like, um, you know, it's to those people. I don't. I wouldn't have a problem. I don't. I wouldn't have a problem with people who vote that as the best show, especially if you're someone who that's how you follow New Japan and that's your favorite weekly TV show. I don't have a problem with that. For me. I can't say it's my favorite show. I have a, I have them stockpiled on my DVR. I don't go out of my way to watch them. I delete a lot of them. I look at the matching. Eh, I don't really want to rewatch that match. You know what I mean? It's like whereas with Ring of Honor and Lucha Underground, I mean, I'm right on top of it. You know, I, I if I'm being honest, I like those shows better. And a big reason is I saw the matches already. If if New Japan was showing fresh matches that were exclusive to the TV show, with how great the commentary is and, and, and the fact that you're getting subtitled promos, maybe my thought process would be different. But that's not the case. There are matches that are a year old. I, I'm with you. I, I will not vote for it. Um, let's break down these cards here that we got upcoming. Um, the one I'm going to on Saturday, I believe your, your young boy Case Lowe will be there as well. So Very quickly, though, good... I will be voting uh, uh, Morrow best announcer, though. I think that's... Oh, God, yes. He's so... He, no one's even in, in his strat. I, look, a lot of people don't who like him. Who could you vote for? I mean, honestly, who, who would be that's the, the second thing. I mean, who the fuck are you going to vote? You know who would be second contender? Barnett. That's who. Yeah. <laughs> They're the two best. It's not even close. And I, and there's a lot of people who, who still don't like Morrow. I, I get it. I like him. I, look, I've always liked him. I like him doing boxing. I like him doing MMA. I always like Morrow. I don't know. I like the guy. And I, and I really love him doing this wrestling. I think he does a great job. And uh, and Barnett. Who else would you? I mean, honestly, who who would you really like? Let, let's let's even like try to break this down in a sense. You got Kevin Kelly and Carino. Well, those two guys would be my one and two, and my number three might be Carino. It might be Carino okay. because I he's okay. He's yeah. great. He's okay. He's not listen. He doesn't offend me ever with saying stupid shit. He doesn't get over the top goofy. I don't really like Kelly. Kelly. Uh, I don't I like get, Kelly. I, I can take her. Kelly was one of the rare guys I actually enjoyed better in WWE than I do without the reins. Like I actually didn't mind him as, as a WWE announcer back, you know, in the 97, 98 era or whatever. But I really don't like him as right now. Corey Graves. Corey, he's improving a lot. He, I'm a guy who does who hated him at first. Thought he was just the shit. He's gotten a lot better. He's starting to get his voice. He's starting to kind of figure out, you know, what character he wants to play as an announcer. And it's it's been really good the past you know month or two. He's been spectacular. So he, he's one that I would, um, you know, I don't think he's done it enough for for long enough of the year. But he's he's one that that he's a sneaky contender. I like sure. the subtle heel stuff that he does. Yeah, it, it's good, but it's not over the top heel. You know, it's I was just enough. You know, I was watching. Um the uh, field of honor show. And it was the, it was the Elgin versus um, Goto match. And first of all, I was kind of getting upset because Elgin's making his way to the ring and Kelly's just Kelly and Carino are going on and on about how uh, hashtag big Mike is the hottest hashtag in wrestling. And how (laughs) the big Mike t-shirt is the hottest selling t-shirt in the history of ring of honor and this and that. And then I got Mike Elgin going on a podcast saying that he doesn't know where it came from. Well, let me tell you something, big Mike Elgin. Okay, I'm coming to San Antonio next Friday, and you're going to find out where that hashtag came from on San Antonio. I can promise you that. Because if you're at that merch table selling that Big Mike shirt, you're going to find out from Joe Lanza, from the source. I'm going to have to tweet. I'm telling you, Rich, 
I'm going to have the tweet ready in hand, and I'm going to show him the source of that hashtag, okay? I don't want any of his money, but I want the proper credit for coming up with the hashtag. Right, just credit. That's, That's all. all I want. You don't want half the, you don't want 25% of the, the t-shirts or whatever. You don't want I, that. I mean, if, we won't refuse. If he will, yeah. we, yes, if he is willing to do that, we will talk. But, <laughs> but all right, listen, me and Big Mike are going to have a big conversation in San Antonio. I can promise you that. Okay, that's definitely happening. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what comes of that. But anyway, so during the course of that match, this is what, this is the stuff I love about Steve Carino because no one else is really doing this anymore aside from the Axis guys. Um, so they're wrestling, and you know it was in the baseball stadium, right? Field of Honor. So right, right. So Carino's saying, you know, he was saying that Elgin had an edge against Goto in the match because of the baseball stadium, and Kelly was like, "Really? What? What do you mean by that?" And he goes, "Well, I'll tell you." <laughs> he goes, "No, no, no, it's not going where you think it's. Going. Oh, oh, it's okay. not going with Elgin <laughs> wanting to play center field for the Cardinals. Oh, he goes, you know, the athletes here in Ring of Honor, we wrestle in baseball stadiums all the time, and you know they never do that in Japan, and." You know, maybe if Goto was a Puerto Rican competitor where they wrestle in baseball stadiums, uh, it, you know, it would be a wash. But the, the air density is different, Kevin, and the fans are a little further from the ring. So the sound doesn't echo quite the same. And that could be an adjustment for these New Japan athletes. And, you know, what he was saying was really silly at its core. But I love shit like that. And he believed it, too. And that's another cool thing, too, is if you if you have enough confidence by saying it. As an announcer, you can say pretty much whatever you want yes. as long as you, he, you have enough of a confidence. Was a, he was it. really yeah. approaching this dumb point from such a serious sports-minded direction, right. like the air density, you're outdoors, the fans are further, this and that. But he, he it was not tongue-in-cheek at all. It fit the, And now in Ring of Honor, you can get away with that context, and it works because Ring of Honor takes the product seriously. And he was really just coming up with an angle. To, to talk about the match where, you know, one guy would have an edge over the other. And when I'm watching and I'm suspending my disbelief, I can buy into something like that. I thought that was really cool. And Carino does stuff like that all the time. He finds these interesting, uh, you know, uh, you know, either sports related or wrestling related. He treats it like a sport. And that it, it, we, we talk, Rich, that connects with us. We, we enjoy that. So, you know, I, I enjoy that. So he'd probably be my number three. I think he does a pretty good job. You're thinking of other guys. I mean, obviously, you're not going to do Michael Cole, Booker T, Jerry Lawler. Like, none of the, a lot of those WWE guys, Rich Brennan. Like, I think any Cole of those guys. is perfectly average now. He's fine. Perfectly average. He's not a guy I'd put in a top three or anything, but he's perfectly average. And then looking at other, and now I'm trying to think, Josh Matthews, <laughs> the Pope. Yeah, I don't They're think. They're not a. Matthews stinks. Um, <laughs> the Pope. The Pope, I kind of have to laugh at. Like, he's driving me crazy, like. No, he's he's fun because like at first he did, and I was like, this guy sucks. But then once you realize he sucks, it's kind of okay. You know what I mean? He's like fun bad. He's better than Uso. Yes, exactly. Because Uso's still is kind of like trying, but you you sense that Pope just knows it's a fucking joke when he's like sitting in a closet with Josh Matthews, you know, recording this shit, and he's just like, whatever, who cares? Yeah. Like, I'm just glad to be here. So so I like that. But anyway, um, I'll start Shevaganza. We'll, we'll, we'll break that. Actually, you know what? You want to do my card first? Yeah, yeah. What do you got in Chicago? We'll do it. All right. Well. <laughs> Thankfully, signed to appear. These are not guys that have matches yet. Uh, Ring of Honor World and World TV Champion Jay Lethal will be there, signed to appear. And then guess who, Joe? Your favorite, my favorite, the biggest draw in Chicago, the biggest draw in, in Ring of Honor, really. Cliff Compton. You better be, be careful because this guy's going to die and the blood is going to be on your hands because this guy, what, he have a seizure or something? He did. Yeah, he's fine, though, right? I guess so if he's still scheduled to appear, right? 
He's on the why he's does, on the goddamn poster. He's on the poster. <laughs> why is he on the poster? I don't know. Why don't they go look at look who's on these posters? Okay, Joe, look who's on this poster. All right, all right, run it down. All right. How ridiculous it is that he's on this level. Okay, so you have on this poster, you have Jay Lethal in the middle with his two belts. Fine. Uh, to his left is one of the Bucks. To his right is one of the Bucks. Up there is Mark Briscoe. Up there is Jay Briscoe. Next to those two is Matt Seidel. And then who on the way left but Cliff Compton? Why? He is not like one of those things don't belong. <laughs> I don't get it. Because it's, it's like a terribly rendered photo, too. He doesn't even fit in with the rendering. But it's Cliff. I mean, come on. Like, look at the list of the guys that are on this card. And you'll see, like, why the fuck is Cliff Compton on the poster? I think they need to. Why don't they go all the way with this and bring in uh, Deuce and uh, just reform the tag team? Yeah, all right. Just do it big. Get get Deuce Shade involved. He's not doing nothing these days. Right? At least call him a favorite. At least get him to like pawn like Hulk Cabana to come out or, or something. You, you know what I mean? Like if you're gonna do this for Cliff Compton, like don't you know you don't really want Cliff Compton. Would you be into a Deuce and Domino uh, reformation on every modern <laughs> show? Uh, no, not really. I don't think so. What if they, what if they, what if they dug up <laughs> Cherry and added Cherry? Cherry was a babe. Yes. Yes. So, so if you went to this Ring of Honor show in Chicago and, and Cliff Compton came out and he said he had a big surprise for everybody and, uh, and, 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 and Deuce Shade or whatever that guy's name was and Cherry came down in her roller skates and her poodle skirt, you'd be into that. Oh yeah. She was a babe. You know, I Pretty like how they were announced from the other side of the tracks. I enjoyed that. <laughs> that was awesome. It was so good. Deuce and Domino was pretty sweet. Anybody that doesn't like Deuce and Domino, I, I don't know. You're kind of – you're wrong. They were great. I mean the matches stunk, but – No, the matches were fucking horrible, but <laughs> the characters were great. Like I, I, I like that idea of just a completely bizarre like what are these guys doing? Like why are you doing this? Like it, it's stupid, but you know, hey, Rhythm and Blues is stupid too. The Honky Man is – the Honky Talk Man is stupid. But if you believe it, and if you if you believe that character, then you can make it work. That's hey, listen, I'm a believer in that. You can make anything work as long as you believe it. I, you know, I happen to live on the other side of the tracks here in town, and it, you know, I don't know if you literally? know this, Rich, but I, I literally live on the other side of the tracks, and I happen to be known as a badass myself. So, it, you know, the, the other side of the tracks you, thing, you, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's legitimate. But see, where I live, if you live on the other side of the tracks, that means you live out like by a bunch of ranches and cows. It doesn't mean you live where you know people are robbing liquor stores and mm-hmm. break and breaking bottles on the curb and cutting each other. You know, see Deuce and Domino, the other side of their tracks. You know that that was that was hard times where they were living. You know that that those oh, yeah. tracks. You train don't want to be oh, on yeah, the other train. side of those. Tracks. Those are the other. You don't want to be on those tracks. Okay, I just got to deal with cows and roosters and shit. So it's a little different. You know, that can be annoying too, though. But it's annoying, you know, at five thirty in the morning when roosters are crowing. But, but um, you know, I don't even hear you're that close. You're that I, close to a rooster. Um, it's really weird where I live. I live down this rural road, right, where all of a sudden you're passing like all these ranches and farms and all this crazy Texas shit, right? And then you just come up on like a normal um, suburban subdivision. And like I live in that. Interesting. Right? And then but if you drive past the subdivision, it's just more ranches and fucking so you get all that crazy shit. Like I'll have people riding horses down the street sometimes. Because they have horses, you know, or I'll have like uh I actually this one family, they're black cowboys. And it freaked me out. I didn't think that black people (laughs) were into that. But I've got this family of black cowboys and they're just, you know, it's funny because they're wearing like 
like uh, urban clothing, but they ride horses. It's huh. bizarre. They're not wearing Western wear, this family. Okay, they're not wearing like chaps and a cowboy hat or whatever. No. Oh, they're wearing like, I don't know the 2015 equivalent, but they're wearing like FUBU and they're riding horses. <laughs> What's the 2015 equivalent to, to like FUBU. a FUBU? I don't, I, I don't know. It's not look, FUBU. I, I knew <laughs> FUBU like, was. <laughs> look, I, I, give me some credit. I said that, you know, I knew it wasn't. No one's wearing FUBU now. But whatever the equivalent to that is now, that's what they're like. They're wearing Jordans and like they're, you know, they're dressed right, right. like urban people, but they ride horses and like, you know, they do the thing where they're like, you know, like if you pass a cowboy and he's riding a horse, he'll tip his cap at the car. They always do that. These guys will tip like their sideways baseball cap with, nice. oh, with, that's the, stickers, cool. with the sticker still on it. You know what I mean? It's just it's weird because it's just iconic. That's interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't take them as as horse riders or like farmers. It yeah, flipped me the fuck out when I first moved here. Like with the first few times that we saw them, we're like, what's going on here? You know, I'll be completely honest. I thought they were stealing the horses. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I, yeah. honestly, it's not even being like, yeah, yeah. it's being prejudiced. It's not being racist, it's being prejudiced. But yeah, I, you know, it's, from it's, where we both grew up that, you, you know, that's just unfathomable that, you know. Rich, it's 100% being racist and prejudiced and racially. Oh, okay. pro- I totally racially profiled those black cowboys unfairly. It's their horses. They're dressed urban, but they ride horses. But anyway, so you you, you go down. This is going to be one of those shows that gets us in trouble. So you yeah. you go down the street. We haven't had one of those in a while. So you keep going, and it's just more farms and stuff. So early in the morning, you'll hear roosters and shit. But I don't hear them anymore. But when I have family come over and sleep at the house, like from New Jersey, they're annoyed because they get woken up at five thirty by these roosters that I don't hear anymore. You know, so it's kind of like that deal. Hey, you hear gunshots the night like weird shit like that but uh you know i don't know what they're doing like, with the gunshots. i hear gunshots I guess too but just... i don't think yeah i hear gunshots too but i don't think it's because you're hearing of, uh... different kinds of gunshots yes they're not uh they're you're... not on their ranch yeah my my gunshots is they're like chasing away wolves from the chicken hen yeah your that's gunshots are it's like chicago street fights with yeah. hawk and animal with their jeans with their knee pads <laughs> right that's over yes. the jeans that's the gunshots that you're hearing um and... Occasionally, some heroin comes out as well, but you never know. Absolutely, I, I you know, I'm, there's probably someone slinging some dope within your vicinity. There, I mean, you know, you live in the heart of uh, urban Chicago, am I right? Uh, not necessarily. I live in Oak Park, which is like a, a rich. Oh, rich. that's right. You live, yeah, you live in like. I live outside of it, but I'm like three blocks away. You like, do not live like on a... the other side of the tracks. No, no, the other side of the tracks, which is AKA the other side of Austin Boulevard, is where it turns into Chicago, and then for the next like five miles or whatever, it's like the worst stretch of Chicago. Imaginable. It's the, we call it the West Side or whatever. People know it as the West Side. It's just fucking awful. Yeah. So yeah. there's, you know, that's where when you when you see oh the 15 killings in Chicago, like half of them happen right there every single weekend. So yep. So you know, people who listened to me on uh, Alan's show and he was describing his Brazilian Irish people. That's that? still. I, I I had to tell Michelle that because we were talking about Ireland and she, I was like, there's Brazilians in Ireland too, and I was like, and Italians or whatever. She's like, no, there is because we got into the discussion about pizza and something. I was like, or she was like, oh, we should move to Ireland or something. It was something like that where we were like, oh, let's get the hell out of this country. Let's go somewhere else, you know. And and, and I think at one point. You know, she said, oh, why don't we move to, like, Ireland or whatever? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. She's like, yeah, but the food. I don't know if I'd like the food. And I was like, no, they have pizza. She's like, no, they don't. I'm like, no, they, they do, because that's, like, a big argument. And then we got into, like, no, they have Brazilians, too. And she's like, no, they don't. Stop. Like, listen, you're out of your listen, mind. And I'm like, no. There's Brazilians in Ireland, and there are black cowboys down the street from me. Unbelievable. Wearing FUBU. They're not wearing FUBU, but they're wearing the equivalent to FUBU. 
Man, I, I don't even know what that is. I, honestly, how, so how, I, I apologize. How white do I sound right now? Um, what what would be an appropriate brand? Is there a brand right now that would you know? Fubu was the shit, like in like yeah. two thousand. Yeah, it's Sean John there for a little while. Remember those? Yes, isn't that the, the uh, Puff Daddy brand? Yes, Sean John. He did. No one, Diddy no one's it. wearing that anymore. No, I don't think so. Well, listen, I, if I, I'm going to call him A Train, then I'm going to call P Diddy Puff Daddy. <laughs> see how that Daddy. works? It's like Sean I, Puff Daddy Combs. Yeah, it's not Snoop. It's Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> yeah, right. He's still Snoop Doggy Dog from 1992. You know, doing backup raps for Dr. Dre. I yeah. mean, that's just who he is. You know, he's Snoop Doggy, Doggy, Doggy Dog. Yeah, it's doggy style. You know, with like Warren G and uh, and Nate Dog. Remember those guys? Yeah, remember, this is good. This is impressive. Remember, I do remember, remember them. Remember Warren yes, G and you. Nate Dog? Yeah, I, I, so, I am well aware of it. I believe that the Nate Dog is dead. The Nate Dog did. Uh, he did recently deceased. Yeah. The Nate Dog uh, passed away. No, it's when actually about three, three or four years ago. About three or four years ago, yeah. I believe. Did Warren G ever uh, have much? Much of a career after that initial no he he actually released a little album uh, in 1995 yeah with regulate no he's uh, he's kind of just been warren g since then he, he'll he jump on here and there and do some stuff he, he just released a new album uh about a month or so ago it's okay it's like a g-funk album he's like hey i'm doing this still like listen to me like right when compton came out he was like hey i still make this type of music and like nobody really is warren g the kind of guy where his friends who are legitimate stars will throw him a bone and do a song featuring Warren G every now and then. Uh, sometimes, just... yeah. Well, he's um, he's connected, though. I think he is – who is he? He's Dr. Dre's cousin, I think. Something, um, like, that. Something like that. Yeah, and he, he does stuff here and there, and he's been on different shows. He, he actually is in his own little businesses that he does now. He doesn't do as much rap anymore. He kind of – after this DJ and Regulate, he kind of just fell to the bayside hey, for a little He's probably making money doing nothing but – Sticking his he, gets, name on he, other he probably gets like twenty thousand dollars a month from Regulate, still playing on like radio stations, you know, hip hop stations all over the country. Like that dude's doing okay. Is Craig Mack still a thing? Craig Mack is not still a thing, unfortunately. I, I apologize. I don't, I don't know what Craig Mack is doing these days. What was his big hit? He had a huge hit. Uh, Flavor in your ear. That was it. Flavor in your yeah. ear. Yes, Craig Mack. Yes. I, I, you know, I'll be honest. I have no idea what Craig Mack is doing these days. He can't possibly still be on the scene. He's one of those guys. No, God, no I haven't seen his name in, in since honestly like 1997. It's the last time I saw Craig Mack featured in anything. It was like you knew when Flavor in Your Ear was, was, <laughs> was stopped. You know, when that ran its course, you knew that that guy would just. That was the end of Craig yeah, Mack. You yeah, you just knew it in the moment. You, don't, you didn't need to be a rap aficionado, and certainly I was not, to know that that guy had no future. So you, he was kind of like, you know, a wrestler comes along and you just it's, you know, like Conor. We know Conor has no future when the Ascension gets cut. Conor right. is the Craig Mack of wrestling. You know? yeah, when the Ascension's right. time is up, uh, Conor is done, much like Craig Mack was finished when Flava in your ear was no longer a thing. You see, that's just the way it was going to go for him. Craig Mack uh, currently resides in the Overcomer Ministry located in Waterboro, South Carolina. Oh, he went to the. He went to the. He's a man of the yeah. cloth now. That happens to a lot of the old rappers. Hey, you know who else did that? Mace. Mace. Yeah. Mace. Oh, you were gonna drop. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have let you do I it. Was, you feel so I proud. Am impressing you with my? Uh, you are impressing me pretty good. Yeah. You, unfortunately, I mean, it all ended in like 1999. Your your rap knowledge, did. but that's fine. But that's really okay. Did. But th- th- this is better than I thought. I didn't think you would know Craig Mack. So that, that... <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm a worldly man. I know I I'm, I'm I know a wide variety of topics. What's your other 90s hip-hop that you wait like? Till, let me tell you. Up. Let me throw a little plug in here. Yeah. Wait until Lanza Unfiltered drops. I'm going to have all kinds of topics that you, that you will know that I'm well-versed in. But let's talk about Mace here for a second.
okay? Yeah. I legitimately thought Mace was a slow person when he when he first <laughs> came out. I no, I'm not making a joke. Like when Mace when Mace came out like with Puff Daddy, remember he yeah. had his Mace World album and all that. Yeah, Mo Money Mo Problems, you yeah. know, obviously his big yeah. They were dancing in their velour suits in the desert in mm-hmm. that one video. Listen, I legitimately thought that's can't nobody hold me down in case you're curious. Yes, there you remember the velour suits and the oh god, yes. Like, yes. why are they wearing velour? Because Mo Money Mo Problems is the one where they're in like a tube, uh, like a, a floating tube, and they're like puffy vests. Yeah, like outside the yacht and all that. Yes, yeah, but can't hold me down is everybody's chilling in the uh, absolutely. The, the, and it's like my big question was, why would you wear a velour jumpsuit in the desert? That's not you're going to sweat a lot. Like that's the wrong thing to wear in the desert. You would think that you'd wear like maybe like a wife beater and some shorts or something like that. Why a velour suit that never – and they're dancing in the velour suit. That couldn't have been comfortable. But the point here, Rich, I legitimately thought, hand to God, that he was handicapped. I thought he was like a slow person by the way his cadence was and the way his – he had a handicapped face. The guy – look, he had like a retarded guy's face. Now it, is, now it is officially the show that will get us in trouble. So there you I, go. No, why? Because I thought Mace was handicapped? I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't, okay. you didn't think he looked handicapped? No, I mean he did. I enjoyed him as a kid. I, I was like ten. I was like ten, so I don't know if I knew what that was, but he yeah. sounded handicapped to me, like the way he would slur his words. I thought he was just like a slow person, and I was like proud of him. I was like, oh look at this guy. Here's a slow person making it in the rap world. That can't be easy. You know what I mean? Like, especially in the cut world, you know, the cutthroat. World. Yeah, bad boy entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, like to make it as a slow person, I didn't find out until years later when he was like a minister. So then I started asking questions. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on a second now. This is a guy who was mentally handicapped, who not only was a successful rapper, but now he's like a minister. Something doesn't add up. So I did a little research, and it turns out he's of normal intelligence. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought he was like missing a chromosome or something. I thought he was just a slow guy. I don't know. That's how he came off to me. I'll tell you another thing. about. I got another Mace story. You ready for this one? Yeah. Okay, I know you're editing all this out. Because oh, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm keeping this all here. No, this is great. Why would I care? This is 90s hip hop. We should do a whole podcast on 90s hip hop. Fuck this wrestling shit. I dated a girl once, right? And casually in conversation, just like, because I think I was telling her my Mace slow person theory. Mm -hmm. In fact, she said to me just in the most whimsical way possible, you know, we're having a chuckle. We're having good times, whatever. And she goes, yeah, you know, when I was like 11, I had the biggest crush on Mace. And I broke up with her. I couldn't handle it. He wasn't a very good looking guy. She doesn't know that that's why I broke up with her, but I could not handle (laughs) that this person was attracted to Mace at any point in her life, even though she was like 13, whatever age. I don't even know what age she said. It was probably older than 11 because the timelines don't match up. Oh, he had a good little smile. I'm looking at him now. Yeah, okay, never mind. I I couldn't deal with it, Rich, because this was a person who I thought was a slow person. I didn't think he was a good looking person. I thought it was so strange. Why would you be attracted to Mace and be attracted to Joe Lanza? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's a weird – yeah. And it bugged me out because then I was thinking, oh, man, I'm not her type. It's- that is something I do think of, of when I look at like and, – and I'm not one of those guys that like goes back and like really cares about like ex-boyfriends or whatever. But when you see a weird spectrum of like – dudes like like when when i'll start dating a girl or whatever and and you know with the advent of facebook you know sometimes you'll go look through and you look at like old boyfriends and that sort of stuff but when i see girls and they like like the thing the, the guys that they like are just this complete like i'm like what I, i'm not your type like <laughs> do you have a type like i feel like you should have a type yeah right? like like, look, like I'm, I'm confused by people that don't have a type like if you looked at my old girlfriends you would be like my god that man loves like five four and under brunettes right 
it's not hard to tell what my type is. Right. No blondes, nothing like that. And that's and that's not me being mean or whatever. I've just that's what I'm attracted to. But like people where it's like at one point I dated this Mexican dude, and then I dated this black guy, and then I dated this like really tall guy, and then this really short guy, and then this like blonde guy, and then this brown haired guy, and then this, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what is all this? Like, pick a lane. Like, you can't do all this. Look, man, I had to get rid of her. Like, if if someone would have said to me. Yeah, you and Mace couldn't be farther. We can't on the be spectrum. further on the spectrum. It's like if 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 like if I'm dating a girl and she turned to me and she was like, you know, I'm really attracted to Charlie Sheen. I could almost buy that. We're both white guys. We both kind of kind of almost look the same. That wouldn't bother me. Or if someone was like, you know, I was really attracted to uh, Christopher Moltisanti on The Soprano. I could buy that too. We're both Italian. We both got big noses. I wouldn't have any problem with that. But if you tell me that you had a crush on Mace. <laughs> on mace murder i can't deal with it oh i pick oh. murder mace it was murder mace murder mace whatever all i could picture was him in that velour jumpsuit dancing in the desert rich <laughs> i would never dance in the desert wearing a velour ju- could you see me dancing in the desert with a velour jumpsuit let's be honest uh, no not probably not i mean that would never happen i mean you know I, you and i you and i doing it maybe you know we need to do I that that needs to be you know when this when this show gets picked up by syndicated radio stations across the world I think our our press photo now it absolutely has to be is you and I getting out of like a Bentley wearing our velour suits and dancing in the desert wearing velour suits. Yeah. I mean, and then we got to blow up the Bentley. The Bentley, unfortunately, has it to has blow to up, explode. Yes. So whoever's listening to this and wants to invest in the show, this is quite the investment. That's going to happen because that's a thing that will happen. You have to so. pay for an exploding Bentley and you have to fly us to Arizona and we have to dance in the desert with velour suits to a murder mace song. That has yeah. to be which song? I can't nobody hold me down. We'll yes, just do it. We'll recreate that whole video. Yes. And, and... Were they wearing bling? I'm sure they were wearing some bling. Oh god, yes. Uh, Mace was wearing a big bling. I don't know if uh Sean Puff Daddy Combs I'm, is wearing. I'm bling. ready to dance in the velour suit, man. I think this has to happen. I can't wait to listen to that song when we're done with this stupid podcast. <laughs> I'm the... I haven't heard that song in years. I'm glad you brought it up. It's... There you go. That used to be my thing, Mason uh, Puff Daddy. For more offensive talk, uh, get ready for yeah. Lanza Unfiltered, which should be coming your way within the uh, next month or so. So there you go. Oh wow. Nice. So, okay. Good on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Oh, are you putting it on the network? Good. But what did you think I was going to do? Oh, I don't know. I thought you were going to be an asshole and put it somewhere else. You okay. think I'm going rogue here? I thought so. I actually legitimately did. So that's of course good. not. Of course it's on oh, the Voices good. of Wrestling network. I was going to say, let's, let's help our numbers there, Chief. What the hell's wrong with you? This is know. how far out of the loop I am. It's like you, you don't even know what's going on. Like you don't even bother asking me. I, the other day we added a podcast. I'm like, oh, that's nice. I wasn't filled in on this, but okay. What did we? What did we? Add, what was what did, the Pearlcast? It's uh, Michael, 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 your boy, David McDonald. Oh, I'm gonna be there. Yeah, he he does a podcast. It's a casual New Japan. He's taking it to the streets with a new podcast. Yes, yeah, he is literally taking it to the streets with a, with a Pearlcast. And apparently, they've done a few episodes. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with the podcast. Was I familiar? It was joining the site. No, no. I only own half the place, but that's okay. I don't <laughs> need to know these things. You know, it's like you know, you know what, you know what, my downfall was, Rich. I'm gonna tell you, it was this damn Slack because. I only check into the Slack like once a week, and it's yeah. yeah, you and the airport. You guys are just fucking wheeling and dealing, cutting deals, making things happen. And I don't know what the hell's going on. You know, um, you know, I'm at work serving up a piece of mahi to somebody, and you guys are just making shit happen. And then, then I have to look. I am I am seeing things happen on the Twitter feed when the followers are seeing it. That's when I find out that shit's going on. It's crazy, but yeah, of course it would be on the void. Why? Okay, good. Why wouldn't the Lanza unfiltered? I'm working on a a sports podcast that I think is going to throw up on the uh, the feed as well. So there you go. Again. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 